How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Dead Jester Productions podcast, episode number 184. I'm your host, Joshua J. Moskers, joined this week by Chris, host of the Son of a Bit Games. Thank you for being here. Well, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Happy to have you here. So we've been, we're talking quite a bit here before the show. Why don't you tell people a little bit about what you do, what you got going on? So uh, my day job, I'm a web developer, and um, when I'm not doing that, I'm usually playing games. It's been my passion since I was six years old. Um, never really died out from it. And I've always wanted to kind of jump into the industry. So now I'm starting a podcast and I just want to talk about video games all the time with anybody who will listen. Nice. So since you're an avid video game player, would you agree that video games cause violence? Absolutely. I will shoot the <laughs> motherfucker in the streets. <laughs> I don't know if I don't just bring it up. I don't know if you saw this. They have uh, all those like riots going on in France right now, and uh, Emmanuel Macron, president of France, blamed it on video games. Oh, of course, it's not what they like, always oh do. <laughs> what a tone deaf response! Yeah, video games did this. I feel like my entire life has been like this horrible thing happened. Let's blame video games. Yeah, I'm like maybe don't shoot children. That that could be part of the problem. <laughs> I don't know. I could be wrong. Maybe On a positive note, though, I did mm-hmm. just see there's a trucking company that's hiring new truckers, and they're people who played American Truck Simulator. Interesting. And they said that game is making better truckers. <laughs> and I was <laughs> like, that's cool. We have a positive spin on video games, finally. <laughs> I'm waiting for that, like some horrible negative story to come out if one of them gets in an accident, even if it's not their fault. They'll be like, yep, we told you so. <laughs> Video games cause car accidents. Exactly. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, but like I saw that article and then not 20 minutes later, I saw an article that was like video games have an image problem. And it's not hard to see why. And it had like a picture from like the new Mortal Kombat with like the x-ray stuff. Mm. And they're mm-hmm. like, oh, well, this is why people think these are, you know, awful and therefore just violent and they're causing our kids to be horrible and i was like okay first off that's an m-rated game that is for 17 and up like your kid shouldn't be playing it (laughs) (laughs) yeah to be fair there are some people that give gamers as a whole a bad rep i mean you have the whole thing that keeps going on even more lately it seems where people are incredibly vocal about games that have women in them either as main characters or women that don't meet their beauty standards uh, that aren't even realistic. Oh, like fable. Oh, the fable thing. Yeah. I was telling my girlfriend about that the other day. We're like, I can't believe it. This character that's not even part of the game. It's just part for this, this trailer for the game. Can't believe they put her in this. This is ridiculous. I don't want to play the game. Yeah. Cause I mean, honestly, by the time that game comes out, I would be shocked if it doesn't have like a proper character creator. I'm sure it will. Yeah. That's the thing. So it's like you can make whatever you want. And let's be honest, if you're playing on PC, there will be mods. There will be so many mods. Mm-hmm. If that, the uh, people mad about uh, Alloy from uh, Horizon, the Horizon games. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, she doesn't, she looks weird. Oh, we want her to do this. And then, they you know, people photoshopping her. <laughs> yeah. They're like, look how, look, she doesn't even look good. And it's like, this is a photoshopped image to make her look bad. And they're like, this is how she should look. And it's a photoshopped image to make her look inhuman. Yeah, like, she looked like a Barbie doll. Yeah, her face is like plastic looking. It's like, good grief. And I was like, first off, where are these guys seeing women that look like that in their day-to-day lives? Because yeah. I would love to know. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they know what the real world is like. No, they need to touch yeah. some grass. Oh, no. 
Yeah, and I'm waiting to see. Uh, I don't know if you watched the Last of Us show. I did. Oh, okay, I'm waiting to see what the feedback is like for like season two. If there's the same sort of like outrage around that from people that were mad about the games. I'm curious if they're going to wait like several years to make season two just so like Ellie's actress can age up a bit. I don't know how much of a time gap there is between the two. I think between one and two in the games, it's it's like four or five years. Is it? Is it? I knew there was a gap. I, I just wasn't yeah, sure. Yeah, it, it's because she's like 11 or 12 in the first game, and I think she's like 17 in the second. Something. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I don't know. It'll be, it'll be interesting. I'm sure people complain either way. <laughs> well, I mean, people are losing their minds now because it came out that Pedro Pascal isn't even like Mandalorian technically. Like he does the voice, but he's not ever under the helmet really. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And people like lost their minds. Like they're like, "Oh my god, this is so unfair!" And I was like, "You loved the show until you found oh this god. out." James Earl like, Jones wasn't really Darth Vader, too. Nobody seemed to care then. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you can never know. make anybody happy. You'll never make everybody happy for sure. They don't want to be happy. They want to be outraged and pretend they're victims so they can get attention. It's it is what it is. But anyway, negativity aside. Uh, what kind of what kind of games you've been playing lately? I'm curious. I'm always interested in hearing what people play. So I just rolled credits on Diablo 4's main campaign. Okay, nice. Um, outside of that, I've been playing a lot of Grand Theft Auto Online for some reason. I don't know what <laughs> made me jump back into it, but I was like, I'm just going to play again. And now I've been in it. It's like my nightly routine now is to play at least for an hour or so. And then I get off again and go jump back to Diablo or uh, Cyberpunk 2077. I've been giving that another mm. shot. I've been meaning to get into that. I I have it downloaded, but I was waiting. I knew they'd fix it up and make it better. And I, it sounds like it's about at that point where it's like, this is a good game now as opposed to. Yeah, I mean, it still has its problems, I think. Okay. But overall, I mean, it is a much better game than it was when it launched. Mm-hmm. I would say if you're going to jump into it, I would honestly wait because it sounds like the Phantom Liberty expansion that's coming out in September is set to basically overhaul the whole game. Oh, okay. I'll do that. So like they're making changes to core systems in the game that are going to affect the campaign as well. Like they're making it so that um, the cyberware is better and it works better because right now a lot of the cyberware is just passive percentage based passive skills essentially. Yeah, yeah. And now they're going to make them more active skills. They're going to change what they all do, essentially. And then they said uh, they're also introducing the cyberpsychosis, which was talked about in the game a lot, but it didn't affect you, which was weird. Like if Hmm. like you'd fight cyber cyber psychos and they'd be like, oh, well, they augmented too much. And now they're crazy is essentially the point. But that didn't affect you. Well, now the anime came out and that was a big thing in the anime as well. So then they were like, Oh, well with this expansion, we're adding that system into the game. It kind of gives you like a risk reward to your upgrades. That's kind of cool. So I'm really excited for, to see what they do with it. Um, outside of that, I've really just been kind of playing, um, cassette beast. I don't know if you've heard of that one. Is it Cassette Beasts? Cassette Beasts. It's on Game Pass, which is where I discovered it. It's essentially Pokemon, <laughs> but it's it's very good. Uh, it's got this cool... It's kind of like... Um, it reminds me of like Pokemon, kind of of Digimon, though, too, because like in Digimon, like they fuse with their Digimon at one point, oh, I see. and you do that a lot in this game. But I played... 
maybe two hours of it the other day and I really I really liked what I played. Yeah. So I'm gonna give it a shot. Um it was actually I was looking into it. It it was actually made in that uh Godo engine, which is like a new indie engine that came out that does cheat stuff. Okay. Um so I was actually kind of it's interesting. I was expecting it to be Unity or, you know, something that's like more mainstream, but like these kids made it in this new engine and I was like, This thing's honestly it's very impressive and I feel like it flew on, under a lot of people's radar because it's on Game Pass and it kind of from looking at screenshots and stuff, it just looks like a cheap Pokemon clone essentially. Yeah. But I highly recommend it. And it has co op, which is awesome. That is neat. Can you do what have you been playing, man? Do you know? Uh, I think it is local. Ah, because that's my girlfriend then. Because I was trying to get my fiance to play it, and she didn't seem interested. <laughs> That'd be interesting. Yeah, I played. Uh, oh, it's Pokemon Fusion. Uh, it was a form of Pokemon Fusion. I forget what it was a while back, and that was pretty interesting because you could just fuse together every single Pokemon, and each one had like a like if you fused together like uh, Charizard with Bulb with uh, Ivysaur or something or Venusaur. You could fuse them, and then you choose which one's the top and which is the bottom, and depending, it'll change the you know the end result. So you, each fusion has two variations, which is kind of neat. So you can imagine the total number of uh, fusion variations across the entire uh, collection of what well, over a thousand. Well, it's not. I don't think they include the newest generation, but I think there's like eight hundred maybe that were supposed to be in the game, and then you can combine every single variation of those. Jeez, honest, cool. honestly, like I remember when Pokemon came out and it was 151. Yeah, I played crap. I remember that. I remember Pokemon Silver I got, and I remember finishing the game like that was really cool. Wait, what's this? Oh my god, the entire original areas in this, and then playing through that. Oh, that was insane. Oh that yeah, was such a cool, a cool moment when I was a kid. I was so long ago though. Oh my god. I gotta say though, I'm I'm guilty of being more of a Digimon fan than a Pokemon fan. Fair enough. I just, there were never any Digimon games I got into really that I liked playing. There was a Digimon World 3. I played that on PlayStation 1. I uh, used to was- be yeah. super addicted to Digimon World 2 on the PS1. Hmm. And I think it's because it was very different than the rest of the Digimon World games. Like it was a dungeon crawler and you were like in a tank and you were like driving around these tunnels and it was just insane. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like Yeah, Digimon World 2. Yeah, interesting. Look at that up. Yeah, like I said, I like 3 because it was more open world. Like, I like the open world aspect of a lot of the games. And that was a lot more straightforward. I Well, I forget. There was one on, like, uh, PlayStation 5 that I had played. I don't remember what it was called. And it wasn't quite the same. You just level them up and, like, boost specific stats. And then you can just unlock an additional, ver- like, uh, Digivolution for them. I was just like, yeah, hey. it was probably uh, next order, the newest Digimon World they came out with. It was okay. Um, I definitely preferred Cyber Sleuth. So Cyber, the, that's Cy- what it was. Cyber Sleuth. Yeah. yeah, that one was. It was all right. I felt like every area was the same. I never finished it, so maybe it changes later on. But yeah, it, for the amount of hours I had played, I was like, man, every area is identical. Yeah, if you're looking for like an old school Digimon World experience similar to three, I would say Digimon World Next Order is probably more up your alley. Oh, okay. Interesting. I'll have to look into that one then. Yeah, I'm always open to, to trying out new games. I I don't know. 
the only downside being is I get invested in these really long form games and it just sucks up so much time that I never get to like move on to other stuff. That's why we've been we've been playing a lot of like games on the, the Switch lately as well. We played uh, Consider It. I don't know if you've ever heard of this. It is just not. it's this weird little Japanese game where it's just imagine like a bunch of little mini games that are like ten seconds long maybe, and the whole point of it is like you have to work together to make like the most considerate option. So like a mini game might be you're walking down the street. You have to move to the side so that the other person doesn't step in dog poop. And it takes like, like I said, like eight to 10 seconds. And that's the entire mini game. And then it moves on and you do like, I think 10 of them. And then you get like a result saying like, Oh, this is how your teamwork, uh, your cooperation, your timing. There's, it's like a pure, like a triangle. And it shows you like how, how well you work together and how considerate you were. And it was like, it's such a bizarre little game, but it's so easy to just, drop in play it real quick and move on i've been enjoying that sort of stuff lately uh yeah i'm actually looking at it right now on the uh switch website it's super bizarre i couldn't explain to you what the point of a lot of it is it kind of the art style is very simple which is nice but like it reminds me you explaining it reminds me of like the old like uh warioware games almost i have never played warioware but i'm i understand it and it is like the warioware games are very simple like similar where it's like a maybe a minute or two for each mini game and that's yeah. it yeah. but no this looks cool if you type in like google images the one i see here is like the like there's a guy and you they bow down and his his toupee falls off and all you have to do is look away and that's the entire mini game like well, stuff like that just so you know i scrolled to the bottom where it says more like this and there's a second one there's three of them actually oh wow there's at least three of them there might be more i don't know uh but yeah we have all three of them and uh, I don't think we got to the third one yet. We're trying to find out every single mini game if we can. But yeah, it's it's a fun. It was only like three bucks maybe or something. I was like, all right, we'll give it a shot. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I, uh, outside of that, I mean, I've played. I was playing Moving Out, I believe it's called on on Game Pass. Um, yeah, I think I know which one that. That's when you're just grabbing all the stuff and carrying grabbing, it. Out of the, out. Yeah, grabbing all the furniture. Yeah, we played that. We finished that. Yeah. Played played That's that fun. on co-op because uh, my fiance and I are always looking for something to play co-op or mm-hmm. something that she'll like. She watched me play like the Sherlock Holmes games that are on Xbox, mm-hmm. the Frogware ones. Yeah, like it takes two. That one. We haven't played that one together yet. I've played it before, so I don't know if I want to jump back into it because <laughs> I, I already know what happens, obviously. Yeah. But I thought about having her play it with me just because it was such a good game. We tried uh, Overcooked, and that became way too hectic. <laughs> oh, I can't. I can't Overcook, man. <laughs> yeah, it, it gets out of hand really quickly. There's that. Uh, Unspottable, I think, is the other one. Uh, Unspottable. That one is like super basic where it's like uh, if you google image search that there's like one where it's a bunch of people in the field basically everyone is identical and you're just trying to figure out who the other players are and you walk up and punch them but if he acts if you get it wrong and it's a robot you punch him the character falls down it's revealed to be a robot and then your character stands there looking around for like a second maybe and then everyone knows that you're the player and so it's just hiding yourself amongst the robots until you figure out who's a player and who's not Oh, that sounds and cool. It's super straightforward. There, there's a little bit more to it depending on which level you're playing on. Like some of them, you can like, like there's a grocery store level 
or if you pick up all five of the specific like ingredients or whatever or like the products you can then leave the level and if you get all five and leave the level you win as well but that's about as in you know complicated as it gets uh we have that on playstation i think and yeah it was super cheap as well that was it like i said it's it's a very simple game which is nice you don't have to like make it overly complicated anyone can figure it out yeah um another game we've been playing recently i just thought of it um she's been playing on um, uh, her save file and i've had my own save file it's called um little big workshop i think is what little it's called workshop. Yeah, little big workshop. Um, I played it on PlayStation. It's on uh, if you have PlayStation Plus, it's a free game that's in the catalog for that they started oh, okay. doing. Um, it's essentially just like a tycoon game. You're building a workshop, and it's all about you know being very efficient and how to how many employees do you need, how many machines do you need, how are you going to set up your workflow, and it's just the kind of thing like if you if you just sit down you just vibe with it and you just get so into it and it's very just chill <laughs> until things catch on fire and you're behind on deadlines and then you're freaking <laughs> out yeah i like games that are like goofier like that where it's like we tried uh city skylines mm-hmm. and that's one of those games where it's like it's just too complicated for us to just sit back and like goof off and play it almost yeah like, that's definitely a very so uh in-depth yeah. one yeah, I'm like, I'm looking for something a bit more laid back. I'm just trying to relax for a few hours. <laughs> yeah, we we recently jumped into The Sims 4 and we're kind of playing it side by side, just kind of handling it together. Mm-hmm. And that's been, right now we're just, we made our characters, that took us like four hours to do. <laughs> and then now we're trying to build our house and that's going to take us another several hours, I'm sure. Of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then eventually we'll get to watch them actually, you know, live their fake lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never, I never really got into the Sims games a whole lot. You also mentioned you were finishing up Diablo Four. That was another yeah. series I tried to get into and I just couldn't for some reason. Maybe I just didn't didn't give it a fair shake. So like I dropped in to Diablo. A lot of people's favorite is two. I never played two. I always, I, I dropped in at three because I was in high school when three came out. I think and I worked at GameStop at the time. So like I picked it up and I it's just it's all about the grind it's all about chasing the loot and I mm-hmm. you know I I'm into that kind of stuff because I play MMOs and it's very similar you know yeah. but honestly I played three for so long and then I didn't even realize it's been a decade since three came out <laughs> and now four's out and I was like oh awesome admittedly there's some things they've changed from three that are good and there's things they've changed from three that are like quality of life features that they kind of backtracked on to make it more like two because a lot of the two people who are like two's their favorite like they hated three yeah but it's kind of a nice in between but the only downside really is that it's a live service game now so that you're playing online and like there's other people around you sometimes but not with with games lately where it's like you have to sign in for what could essentially be a single player game Oh, absolutely. You can like I I completely played the campaign solo, but like over the weekend last weekend, they had they got DDoSed. Oh, DDoSed so yeah. they were down all weekend. I saw people complaining about losing their hardcore characters, which Oh, uh, yeah. It sucks, but didn't they I'm almost positive they had like a warning message at the home screen. I mean, they do because like the people, reason people are playing hardcore, some of them are playing it because they're trying to chase the they're doing a um like a marketing thing that statue or whatever yeah the first thousand players hit level 100 
on hardcore get their name on a statue. Yeah. And they've already gotten like, I think 300 something people have done it. Uh, okay. And apparently I was, I was listening to Rod Ferguson uh, talk about on a podcast. I think it was on uh kind of funny maybe, or it was, yeah, kind of funny X cast had him on for an interview. And he was saying that the marketing team thought up this thing and they thought it would be some quick thing. Like within the first week of launch, we'll have all these names. This will be great. And it's good publicity. And then he was mm-hmm. like, guys, I don't think you realize how big this game is. Like this is going to take people forever. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, like i I'm not playing on hardcore, but like I, I died so much that I was like, if I was playing hardcore, I definitely would have lost my character. <laughs> yeah, I just, I've never been, I'm not a, an MMO guy to begin with, so maybe that's part of why I couldn't get into it. But like, I'm not a fan of like the top-down action games where I feel like I'm just clicking and that's all my input is. Just, yeah. Um, Diablo like three. It, I feel like we could na- make it the case that all games are like that, but I don't know. To me, it's just like I'm just sitting back watching the action unfold for the most part. Well, yeah, essentially. I mean, on for, for like an isometric RPG like that, like, yeah, a lot, especially on PC, if you're playing on with a mouse and keyboard, like you are clicking constantly Hmm. and Diablo three, I originally bought it on a PC because it wasn't on consoles at the time. And I was like, Oh cool. Beat it. Loved it. And then they released it on consoles and it was really cool because they actually took the extra time to build it from the ground up again for xbox and playstation Mm -hmm. and they added features to make controller better and to make it feel good so like one thing that the console version had that the pc version did not was a dodge mechanic okay so like on pc you would have to just click yourself away from the bad guy and try not to get hit with the attacks and on xbox you could just hit like the b button in direction you would like do a dodge roll or whatever and it made it so much easier to like survive. And that's one of the things like people liked. So like, cool. So Diablo four also has a dodge mechanic, which is nice, hmm. but I don't know. It feels like Diablo three came out. A lot of people didn't like it. I liked it. And then uh path of eternity came out on PC and it's on Xbox two, I believe now PlayStation, hmm. but like it's free to play, but it's basically Diablo. And then Diablo 4 is obviously out and it's getting huge reviews and everyone loves it. And they just announced Path of Exile 2 at the game Summer Game Fest. And I was like, oh, I, I wonder how they feel because I don't know if they can. Uh, I don't know how they're going to compete against Diablo 4 when it's being successful. Uh, I, do, I do remember this now. Now that I'm looking at pictures of Path of Exile 2. I remember seeing this previewed. Well, that's the thing, though, because Path of Exile 1 blew up because Diablo 3 was hated. Hmm, okay. but now Diablo 4 is loved so it's like how will Pe- Path of Exile 2 stand up to a Diablo that's actually good mm-hmm. interesting yeah no like Diablo 4 is wildly successful based on what I've seen people seem to really love it uh, enough that it's you know appearing on all my social media platforms or whatever whatever websites I'm going to I see ads for it and everything like that see a lot of people playing it I just couldn't, I don't know, not, not, it's not for me. I'm not going to say it. it's a bad game, obviously. Just not Yeah, and me. there's nothing wrong with that, honestly. Um, people rave about like Horizon Zero Dawn. I know you and I were talking about Aloy earlier before the show. Yeah, not um, really. That's the problem with those games. That is, that is a game that I bought at launch <laughs> and I never, I played it for maybe two hours and I was like, this is not for me. I don't like it and I never touched it again. And I now have heard people rave and rant about how amazing that game is and how amazing the sequel but, is. And I, I'm just like, like about it. I'm curious. 
I'm honestly curious. I, I think part of it might've been the setting and like the storyline. I just didn't find that interesting. Mm-hmm. And cause at first when it came out, I thought maybe I'm just like having fatigue from open world RPGs. Cause I was playing Assassin's Creed origins at the time. And I had like the Witcher three I was playing and I was like, maybe it's just too much of the same essentially. Yeah. So then I went back to play it later, like years later and I still wasn't vibing with it. And I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. this just isn't my kind of thing, I guess. Fair enough. Yeah, I never, I never played it. Um, I, I haven't played a lot of like PlayStation exclusives for whatever reason. Um, I have, we have every console you can imagine here. I'll say here. Uh, yeah, and like we have, uh, Death Stranding. We started that, and my girlfriend was like, "I don't get it. This is really weird." And I'm like, "Fair enough. I also don't get this." <laughs> I uh, also don't get it, so it's yeah. okay. <laughs> I didn't hate it. Like I didn't hate the gameplay to extent, but like I said, we played like three hours maybe at most. And I'm like, maybe I'll return to this at some point. Maybe not. I don't know. Obviously with like the last of us game, didn't play the second one yet, but um, I know what happens. Uh, But it, I don't know. A lot of those games just like, I just play whatever I feel like playing. And it depends what room. Like I have the Xbox in the office here along with the PC. So like these are more geared towards like what I want to play in here because this is my office. And then what's on like the PlayStation and the Switch, those are more themed on like the games we play are more centered around, you know, the two of us playing co-op games and whatever. So they're very different in comparison to what's back here. Oh, yeah. The Switch is more quick jump in, jump out, arcadey sort of games. Like we have like all a lot of the Mario games are on. I mean, we have I don't know how many Mario games we have, like the tennis, golf, uh, the soccer one, um, along with a number of the actual mainline mario titles no there's so much mario man there's too much yeah i was disappointed with the super strikers the soccer one i was super excited for it i was like oh finally like my favorite sport uh they're making the mario out of it it's been i don't know how long since they the last one had come out uh last one was on the wii i think could be yeah and i was like awesome and it comes out like there's i think i what was i forget if i played golf no mario golf game or the tennis one right before i don't remember which and i was like oh there's quite a bit to this this is cool they have like an adventure mode sort of thing and then super strikers comes out and i'm like there's like nothing here yeah for sure um i'm super disappointed like mario golf has like the full like make your you know make a me character run through the yeah. story and like that's yeah. awesome and then tennis had a story mode that was really good mm-hmm. and then strikers was one i was also really hyped up for and I picked it up and I was like, this is so bare bones. It's literally you just drop in and play. That's it's like you just choose what like backdrop you want on your side of the pitch and like your team. I'm yeah, like, there is nothing going on. And I, I wanted to revisit it recently and I was like, I don't think they've really done a whole lot with it either. As far as I know, no, they haven't. Yeah. Um, like This is so disappointing. Like, I think it'd be fun to like find some people just play occasionally like jump on fight you know play some play against some friends play some multiplayer it might be fun but like yeah. as far as like just sitting down to play it there's just not much there no no and i'm hoping they come out i mean I'll, I'll still play it i hope they come out with another mario baseball one round out the the sports games for it so yeah they should they should for Switch. sure because uh i'm not a huge baseball guy but like i like the mario style games like i would never play like pga tour but I love playing like mini golf games and like golf games. Uh, oh, on the same way I play yeah, um, me and my fiance play uh, Mario golf on the switch all the time, mm-hmm. but like I won't play PGA tour. Like it's not my thing. 
yeah exactly it's just i don't know they're, they make the things i'm not as interested in fun like i've never same same thing with tennis i'd never played a tennis game but i'll play the mario tennis game it's fun it's goofy I, I, it's whatever it's easy i kind of just want them to make like a volley like it'd be cool to get like a mario volleyball game we don't have enough volleyball games in the world true yeah yeah we tried playing the switch sports i guess it was called uh-huh it's like wii sports for the switch Tried playing that, and that was weird because it wasn't the same as I thought. It was not what was, I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be like Wii Sports, but just moved to the Switch, and it's not quite. A lot of them are weird. I forget what a lot of the sports are, and it, you have like weird sword fighting or whatever. Uh, yeah. The, I feel like the sword fighting was the same as from Wii Sports Resort. Um, wasn't really good then. Don't think it's good now. I don't think I played the resort one. Um, I bought I bought Switch Sports just because I wanted bowling. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, yeah, oh, let me try out some other way. stuff. And I tried golf. Golf's actually really hard on that game. Yeah. Because <laughs> like they, they're like, oh, you turned your wrist. You just shot mm-hmm. it into a tree. And I was like, this is this is hard. I don't like this. Uh, yeah. But my my game, my sport of choice on that game would be bowling. Out, other than bowling, I've played the volleyball, which I did like. Fair enough. Yeah, I remember, I, again, that's another game where I hate that you have to be online to like unlock even customization stuff. I'm like, oh, I know. I don't care that much though, at least because I'm like, I don't care what my character looks like when I'm playing Nintendo. Well, it's a shame because like they made it like that, and that's like, oh, you have to play online to get all these customization things. We're gonna have ro- rotating, you know, mm-hmm. sets like every once in a while. I'm like, that's cool, but like, I they literally to play with people online. Like the point of it is to play in the living room together, or whatever. Yeah, but, but they also just stopped. Uh, they stopped supporting it already. They're like, no more new mm-hmm. updates. They're just gonna start uh, rehashing the old sets over and over again, essentially. And I was like, that's so sad because it's only been out for like a like a year, year and a half. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I missed it. They used to in the original uh, Wii Sports. They had like a ranking system where you could you'd earn points you know, after every game, and you could rank up to like you know I forget what the levels were, but like semi pro, pro, expert, whatever it was. I was mm-hmm. like, that's cool. They don't have that in this one. I'm like, ah, oh, God, what am I working towards? I need to have something to do, like to work towards. Yeah, that's kind of the issue. Like it was literally like the idea of like going online and like competing for, you know, outfits and stuff like that. Like it's cool. Mm-hmm. But like the problem I had was like I bought the game when it came out within a month there were people who found like all the exploits, like how to get a strike every time, no matter what. And um, you know, how to, how to basically cheat at every sport. And I was like, this is not fun anymore. So I kind of yeah. only play it with my fiance when she wants to play bowling or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I've, I've been a big, uh, or I've, I've really hated this move to like the always online game system where it's like, there's just no need. There's just no need for a lot of these games where like they're single player games even and it's always online. And like there's no reason for it. It's just it doesn't make sense why they would do this with a lot of games. Obviously, with some of these like switch sports, it's it's online because you play with other people online, but some of them it's just like there is no excuse for this to be online. Well, a large part of it I think originally started coming out because of the piracy scene on pc and you know all these companies wanted to protect their games and i get it but like even then like the always online stuff got defeated pretty quickly by 
scene groups and you know you still see brand new games popping up online if you know where to look for them and Mm -hmm. now you have like uh denuvo anti-cheat as they call it but like it's a drm protection thing and like you see companies paying five hundred thousand dollars to protect their game for however many months and it works but then after that contract's up the minute they take it out in an update like it ends up on the internet somewhere it's about Go ahead, sorry. No, I just I feel like it's it's that and then it, on consoles it's just the nature of like they just want to be able to nickel and dime everybody for everything. So, you know, we live in a world now where every game has a battle pass and every game has DLC and cosmetics and microtransactions and it's just the world we live in now, sadly. Yeah. Well, even Diablo I I like I said I haven't played Diablo before, but I'm assuming I from what I've heard there's still microtransactions as far as like uh, outfits and things like that and i'm guessing it's expensive yeah they have a cosmetic shop which when they first said like we're gonna have cosmetics i was like you know what that's cool like i'm 100 percent okay with buying like skins and stuff mm-hmm. but you go in and you look and like a full set of armor for your character is 22 dollars. that's insane that's absolutely and insane. i was like i'd pay you five dollars i'm not paying you 22 dollars you're insane and people pay it that's the problem They'll complain oh, I about know. It, still buy it. It's like you're the reason that one outfit is a th- like a third of the cost of the game, which is ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous how expensive it is. And literally no day one, there. day yeah. one, spawn into the main town after finishing the tutorial, and there's a necromancer wearing the fancy necromancer armor that you paid twenty two dollars to get. And I was like, "Are you kidding me right now? Like this Absolutely. is the problem." Yeah, yeah. And then I know, like, I haven't played Call the New Call of Duty. Uh, in months and months and months but they had like the the season passes coming out and whatever and i was like okay you know i have cod points saved over because i don't buy anything with them so when you finish the battle pass you have enough cod points to buy the next one so i was like all right whatever and i just kept doing that and i'm like i don't play enough i'm like oh man barely finishing this up in time for the next season and then i saw like with the newest one they're like yeah we're shortening the season by like a month or whatever it was I'm like, I just can't even be bothered to play these games anymore. They're making it so you have to, you basically have to be playing it nonstop or pay to unlock everything. I'm like, that is, it's stupid. Like you just, like you said, nickel and diming people for as yeah. much as they can. Then they have battle passes on top of battle passes on top of battle passes. You can pay Absolutely. for the battle pass or you can pay for the special battle pass to get a few extra unique things. It's like, no, I can't be bothered. I get it. Trust me. Um, the idea that every company wants to make a live service game. The problem with that is live service games, like you said, dictate that you should be on them constantly. Mm-hmm. And like, I used to play destiny Two, and I was always playing destiny Two, and I was on it every day for like six or seven hours a day. And I was like, I doing that. It's like, you have no time to play anything else. Yeah. Plus, and they, they just remove content. That's part of why I've like, I've stopped getting a lot of those games that are quote unquote live service or sometimes they try and like market around it. And uh, yeah, like destiny two in particular, I didn't get into that at first. Like when it first launched, I played mm-hmm. destiny one and I was like, it's all right. It's fun. I, I didn't really like the first one until taken King came out and I played that. I was like, Oh, this is really good. They fixed a lot of the problems I had with it. Destiny two came out and I was just like, eh, good. I didn't, I didn't deal with it. And then a lot of my friends got into it like a while later. I'm like, all right, I'll give it a shot. So I download it again, hop in. I'm like, oh, I'll play through the the main story. And uh, 
yeah, I'll, I'll get everything all caught up. And then not long later, they wiped everything and you couldn't play through the majority of the game anymore. Oh, I know. Honestly, is this the world we live in where you pay for a product and then you can't access it because they decided to move on? Like, well, part part of the problem there was like this was back when uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare came out and people were complaining that the game was taking up like 250 gigs on your hard drive. Yeah. And get Bungie freaked out and they were like, we don't want people complaining about this. So like, let's just start getting rid of older content. We'll vault it like Disney vaults their movies and we'll save space on hard drives. So nobody complains. Well, the problem then is they decided that the smart thing to get rid of was the ma- original main campaign. Yeah. And then they've actually moved on to where they got rid of other expansion content too, including forsaken, which was like the, uh, the last time we had kid six in the story. The mm-hmm. issue I have with that is when you have new players, new lights coming in now that's free to play and you can just get on. Yeah. In my opinion, the Red War campaign all the way through the Forsaken campaign would have been a great way to introduce all these new players to this universe and to this game. Mm-hmm. Instead, now they just throw you into the tower immediately and they're like, hey, have fun, knock yourself out. And like, yeah. I have friends who have tried jumping in, and like, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's insane. I'm like, this is that's again. That's why for the longest time I only bought disc based games for a while, and I've since made the transition where it's just digital only. I'm like, whatever. But like, my dad's still like that. He doesn't buy movies like online, like digitally. He doesn't buy digital games. He's he just sticks with physical. He's like, the very least, I have it. I own it. They can't take it away from me if they decide that they don't want to support it anymore. Oh, for sure. But, but I mean, at the same time, you know, I went digital, I went full digital as of like the PS4 generation and it's nice because everything follows out. me, but like for my PS5, I bought the digital version just because it was a hundred dollars cheaper. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, have I actually, stuff. I was just listening to kind of funny games the other day and uh, Tim Gettys was saying that he walked into Best Buy to buy a movie and there were no Blu-rays anymore. They had no Blu-ray movies anywhere. Interesting. And he said they're officially phasing them out in favor of everything going digital. And I was like, it's great in you know in theory that oh I can just buy it digitally and it's there and I can watch it whenever. But like mm-hmm. we've seen companies take away movies people have bought. We've seen games get pulled off the store and you can't have it anymore. Yeah. Well, you have that with like music. Like I Jay Z for example, pulled all of his albums off of iTunes. And it's like, I delete, like at one point I deleted all of them from my iTunes on my phone just to clear up space. And uh-huh. then I went back in, it's like, oh, these aren't available. It's like, what? <laughs> I own these. Yeah, they're not available. It's like, oh, yeah. Um, they're, back, they're back available now because title has faded out a bit. But Like I'm a Spotify subscriber and like I constantly, I remember when Taylor Swift was like arguing with them, like she didn't let any of her stuff be on Spotify because she, she's like, you don't pay enough to, to the artists to stream this. And I was like, my understanding of the music industry is like, they still get paid. Like they still get royalties from every stream. Like I'm like, I'm assuming that they have to sign a contract to make that work. Yeah. I, I appreciate the message that she sends. But I just can't help but get the nagging feeling that she's the problem in a lot of her scenarios. Oh, for sure. Like people, my one coworker is a huge Taylor Swift fan. She's like, oh man, these guys treat her like shit. I'm like, if every guy she dates has a problem with her, maybe she's the problem. (laughs) 
It's like if everyone I meet hates me, I, I shouldn't think to myself, God, people suck. I should say, what am I doing to upset everyone I meet? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I could be wildly wrong about her, uh, you know, musical industry side of it, but I don't know. So have you been uh, watching any TV shows or anything like that lately? We have. Actually, before we switch to movies and TV, I can do the ad reads real quick. It's a good transition period for it. Before we get too far, we have, we have two tonight as well. We've got Liquid IV. And we've got Zencaster. We're sponsoring this episode. Uh, I'll start off with Liquid IV. Uh, people know I, I take my fitness somewhat seriously. As I sit here drinking my water nonstop, I got my liquid IV tonight. Uh, so yeah, it's great. I've been drinking the sugar-free uh, white peach flavor. Uh, I like the strawberry lemonade, but it's got sugar in it, so I've been trying to trying to you know avoid sugar in general. But white peach, fantastic, sugar-free, and uh, yeah, I, since I drink mostly water, it's nice to have a change of pace. So I've literally been drinking liquid IV pretty much every day, just once uh, once a day since I've gotten it. And uh, tastes good, even the sugar-free, which I never used to like sugar-free products. I figured, what was the point? I'm trying to get a sugary-tasting drink. Why would I get sugar-free? But yeah, it's it's been delicious so far, and it it hydrates you. So it, yeah, it's been it's been pretty darn good. I really enjoy it. Uh, what I love most about it is, like I said, it's easy. Just pour it into my my shaker bottle, shake it up, lasts me for uh, you know good bit of the day. And uh, it's just one packet. I think you can get them in 16 ounces or uh, I forget the different size. They come in packs of 16, 24, 32, 64, maybe. Uh, So I've been ordering them. I'm looking forward to some of the other flavors. One stick of the liquid IV, you pour it into 16 ounces of water and it hydrates you two times faster and more efficiently than water alone. There's 12 different flavors. They have five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C. And it has three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks. It's made with premium ingredients. And uh, it's non-GMO, free from gluten, dairy, and soy. Uh, you can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com. It's liquidiv.com. Use code DJP15. That's DJP15 at checkout. It's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code DJP15. At liquidiv.com. Link is in the description. Thank you to Liquid IV for sponsoring the episode. Genuinely like the products. Really, really enjoy it. Like I said, I use them every single day. Gets me through a, a good portion of my work day when I'm walking around out in the heat. It's all muggy and gross, especially now uh, we've had those Canadian wildfires coming through. Hate being out in it. It's unfortunate, but I stay hydrated while I'm doing it. So thank you to Liquid IV. Go check them out. Liquidiv.com. Link in the description. Use code DJP15 for 20% off. Anything you order, highly recommend strawberry lemonade or the sugar-free white peach. They're both excellent flavors. Uh, today's episode is also brought to you by Zencaster. We've been using Zencaster for I don't know how many episodes now. 184 episodes in, we've probably been using it for 165 episodes, if not more. And uh, it's super easy. Uh, all we do is send out the link to the guests. They click it, join the show, just enter in the display name. And we're good to go. Uh, it's easy to use. Nobody seems to have a problem with it. We've never had any problems that weren't our own making. And they save all of the audio files individually, each audio track. 
I can just download them, edit them super easily. It, they are unbelievably convenient and their uh, customer support was super convenient, super helpful. When I reached out to them with some questions, they got back to me in like five minutes with the exact answers I needed. Couldn't recommend them enough. And obviously we use them for every single show. So I, uh, I appreciate them for everything that they've done for us. Uh, so like I said, it's super easy to record a podcast with Zencast. You log in using your browser. You can start recording a high quality podcast right away. You record studio quality sound and up to 4K video with your guests. Uh, they're multi-layered backups ensure you always have your recordings in the highest quality, even if the connection is unstable. Uh, if you've thought about podcasting before and realized that you need a lot of different tools and services you don't have to worry about anymore, Zencaster's all-in-one podcasting platform allows you to create podcasts all in one place and distribute it to Spotify, Apple, and other major destinations. You can actually edit it right in Zencaster if you want. Uh, you can they you know they help you if you part of the Creator Plus plan. Uh, they'll work with you to get sponsors, things like that. Uh, you can edit it. You can mark the ad reads in the, the show, add in the show notes, everything you need. They've got it all. Uh, go to Zencaster.com slash pricing. Again, that's Zencaster.com slash pricing. Use code DJP15 and you'll actually get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. Uh, again, 30% off. Use code DJP15. And uh, once you have the same easy experiences that I do for all my podcasting and content needs, it's time to share your story. Go to Zencaster.com slash pricing. Again, use code DJP15 for 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. Can't thank them enough for sponsoring the show. And like I said, we use it for every single episode. Highly recommend them. Uh, they are fantastic. It's it's just super convenient. It has everything I need to make the show here and it works super well. So thank you to Zencaster and thank you to Liquid IV for sponsoring the show. Back to back to what we were talking about. I think you're asking me what shows we've been watching lately. Yes, sir. Yeah, we watched. Uh, we finished watching season one of Silo. I don't know if you watched that at all. I have not. It's pretty. It's on Apple TV Plus. I think. Um, it's pretty good. It's ten episodes. It's about people. I don't know if you know anything about it. It's. I'm actually looking cool. it up right now. Uh, okay. It's people. I think it's very. It gives me so many Fallout vibes. Uh. I, I know I've read the book, so I know what happens, but I didn't know how it was going to be portrayed on screen and watching it in live action gives me even more like fallout vibes because it's people living in essentially a vault. It's a silo. Uh, you know, it's a big cylindrical, you know, safe zone. And, uh, yeah, they live there. Technology is like out really outdated, uh, to protect them from figuring out what's actually going on to like maintain peace and order. And uh, yeah, some things go awry and they're trying to discover what's going on and what the silo actually is. And uh, it's it's a pretty good show. I like it a lot. They're all about, they're like 45 minutes to an hour, roughly all of them. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's, I'd highly recommend it. It's it's really good. Like I said, it's it's very much like vaults in Fallout where it's like what's, every vault, you know, like has their own little test that they're running and silo gives off similar vibes where it's like, are they, what are they planning here with us? Like, what are they actually doing? It's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, it definitely sounds like Fallout from what I, yeah. from looking up the, uh, I just looked up like the synopsis of the show and it definitely mm-hmm. looked like it was like similar to that, which it sounds cool. I might have to, I'm gonna have to look into it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And this isn't a spoiler at all, but like part of it is like there's technology is like odd. Like they have, they have like firearms, like modern firearms, like they have 
handguns and like a shotgun. And I don't know if you see anything else other than those. Um, but like they have modern firearms. They have computers that look like like 80s style computers and interfaces. Um, but they don't have like video. They, they're not, they can't like make elevators or like any in-depth technology that would allow them to like traverse the silo quicker. They can't make like microscopes or anything like it. Their technology is preventative of them making new discoveries and like, you know, performing scientific hacks and making scientific discoveries. It's just, it's an interesting, you know, layout for it. It's a pretty cool. Yeah. Show. I like it a lot. It, yeah, it definitely like sounds movie. interesting for sure. Man, it was pretty cool. Yeah, I've I was, been I was really happy with it. I've been watching uh, The Bear I, on Hulu. yesterday by someone actually. <laughs> Um, two seasons out, I think. Uh, season two just came out. Okay. So I had never watched it. I had heard it was mm-hmm. good. Um, I started looking into it and I realized that Jeremy Allen White was the star, and I saw him on Shameless when I used to watch that. And I was like, okay, like let's check it out because it sounds cool. Mm-hmm. What? Uh, me and my fiance sat down and watched it. We finished the first ep- season in like a week, maybe. Um, it's only like eight episodes, I think, in the first season. Uh-huh. And it says it's a comedy drama. I don't necessarily find it funny, but <laughs> the know. story and the characters are interesting enough that I want to keep watching and I want to see what happens. Mm-hmm. But I definitely cool. recommend it. So he's a chef, it looks like. It's based yeah. on that, dealing with his family matters. Yeah. So he, the backstory of it is like he was, um, like he was the, like a highly regarded chef, like won a bunch of awards. He won, like he ran, like he ran, like basically like the best restaurant in the world, essentially, is how they keep saying okay. it. And, his brother committed suicide and he comes home because his brother left him his restaurant. And it's like a hole in the wall, Italian sandwich shop, like Chicago Italian beef. So he's coming from this high class world of like, you know, fine dining and he's coming to a sandwich shop Mm -hmm. and it's about him trying to keep the place alive and trying to honor his brother and trying to like, solve his family bullshit because they're dysfunctional at best Mm -hmm. and i don't know it's just it's very interesting and i think from what i've seen and from what i've heard from like actual chefs is like it apparently does a very good job of like showing you what a kitchen is actually like if you wanted to get into the culinary field yeah and i was like honestly like it's 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 a good show it has a good story um they show Michael, which is the old brother that killed himself. They show him in flashbacks and mm. he is surprisingly played by John Bernthal. Oh, interesting. And I was like, okay, so you got a very high profile actor to play a dead character. Yeah. That's neat. I like when shows do that when they just, people make camp. It's I like when high profile actors or celebrities are able to like humble themselves. And be like, yeah, I'll just play a little bit character. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, outside of that, I'm really excited for the end of this month, actually, because Futurama is coming back. Is that coming back this month? I didn't realize that. Yeah, July 24th. It'll be on Hulu. And so this episode will actually be out two days after that, then. 
I am extremely excited because I am <laughs> definitely a Futurama kid. Yeah. Nice. I, I remember I discovering. Like I didn't realize it was coming out. Yeah. I didn't think it was coming out so soon either, but <laughs> yeah, they said all the new episodes are coming out on the 24th. Nice. Yeah. There's, I'm sort of picky when it comes to like TV and movies and stuff like that. There's been nothing I've been like super interested in. Like I said, we watched Silo, which I did enjoy. We're watching The Witcher now, which uh, we're watching it. <laughs> Can't say I'm like super excited for it, but I don't. I also don't hate it. Uh, I think by the end of this season, uh, I'll be like, I'm good. I don't need to see anymore. I don't need to see uh, Liam Hemsworth. Just to be completely well. honest, like I watched the first season when it came out, and mm-hmm. I really liked it. And then I didn't watch the second season for some reason. And then when I was going to watch it, they announced that Henry Cavill was out. And I was like, oh, I no longer give a shit. Yeah. That's the thing, too. It's like, I feel bad for everyone else involved in the show, like the other cat, the rest of the cast. Because, like, they're putting all their all into it. And, like, people are going to, I think people are going to hate watch the next season for a little bit. And then it'll fall off. That was, my girlfriend and I were talking about this earlier. I'm like, I was like, they're only going to get one more season. It's going to get canceled. And I changed my mind. I was like, no, they're going to get two seasons. Then it'll go canceled. People will hate watch the first season with Liam Hemsworth. And so they'll continue it for another one. And then nobody's going to watch that season. Probably is my assumption. Uh, I could be completely uh, wrong. I honestly think that people will go into the season four when it comes out and they will probably, you're probably right. They'll go into it expecting to hate it. Mm-hmm. And I think I have very I have faith in Liam Hemsworth. I actually think he's no going to do a good job. I don't have a problem with him, to be fair. I just uh, I don't know. I appreciate that Henry Cavill is like a huge fan of the books and everything. Well, and that's the thing. Yeah. Liam Hemsworth also just did a, a interview or something, and he stated like he's training super hard physically to get in the role, but he also said that like, he is devouring the books. Hmm. Okay. So like he's making the effort to like understand it, but yeah, fair he, enough to him then. Like he has to be careful though, because the reason they got rid of Henry Cavill was because apparently he was very annoying, trying to make the writers like adhere to the source material 100 percent, like he wanted them to. Yeah, and I, they're like, "This is annoying. We hate this." But I was like, "They're dumb," because like that's the reason people applauded the show was that it was true to the source material. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like how many I, how many times do we see movies and uh, TV shows based on video games, anime, whatever? And it's always like, oh, this is basically just using the name and it has nothing to do with the thing. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I say. I, I, I don't like when shows that I, I appreciate it. Like if they were to make a wit, if they were to make it The Witcher and then not make it at all about Geralt or, or and, you know, his story or any of the characters involved, but they made it a point like, yeah, this isn't about them. We're doing our own thing. I, I, I don't know if I'd be completely OK with it, but it's like I get it. At least you're doing your own thing. I don't like it when they take characters and just completely change them to fit their own narrative. It's like people are here because they like these characters and they just want to see them brought to the big screen. It bothers yeah, me. Yeah, hundred percent like that. And I understand why Henry Cavill's like, this is I'm, I'm done. Like, I don't want to work here. If you're trying to trying to make your own thing, especially when it, it, I feel like it takes a certain bit of arrogance to be like, we're going to do our own thing. Cause what we have is better than what all these people are wildly obsessed with. Like it, it's bizarre to me. Yeah, I mean, look how many horrible video game movies there have been in our lifetime. Yeah. And then 
you know, there's other projects that are coming out or that have been announced that like I'm cautiously optimistic for. Like there's a Metal Gear Solid movie that's in the works and the director's a fan. So I'm like, it might turn out okay. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, you know, we had like the Assassin's Creed movie that had yes. the name on it, but it wasn't anything to do with the games really. Mm-hmm. I, it's then, so weird, like Last of Us, the show did really well. I think people were a little disappointed that there weren't more clickers in the show. And I was like, fair enough. But I think overall they did a good job sticking to the story. And that show obviously was very successful. I I don't understand why people continue to be like, we're going to do our own thing anyway. It's like, clearly you have a built-in audience leverage that and just make the the show from the source material. I don't understand. Well, that's the thing, right? Like people complained about the clickers in the last of us. There weren't enough. There weren't enough. But I was like, in the game, there's a lot because they need to keep it interesting because you're playing yeah, it. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. That's why I, I was like, I, for I a TV show, I was like, it's fine to only have a couple. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I also think for Last of Us, a, lo- a big thing that made it successful was the fact that Neil Druckmann, who directs the games and writes the games, he was there and he produced and wrote the show. Mm-hmm. So like you had him in the room saying, this is how we're doing it. This is what yeah. I want to do. And they listened to him. Mm-hmm. But like Amazon said that they want to make a mass effect TV show. Okay. I didn't know. And I'm a huge mass effect guy. So I was like, Oh, that sounds so cool. And then I thought about it. And I was like, they're probably going to butcher it. <laughs> yeah. I just, I understand like their whole thing is, well, we want to appeal to the largest audience possible. But a lot of times you do that it doesn't appeal to anybody then it's like, Oh, it's just another generic show because you're appealing to the largest audience possible. There's gotta be some point where it's like, let's just appeal to the actual core audience and use our marketing power to bring in other people that might otherwise have not known about this. Well, I mean, especially whenever, if it's like a mega franchise that has, you know, millions of fans around the world, like why would you not just try to get them into the theater to watch your thing? Like like I said, the Witcher, even if you're not a, I would argue the books, while popular, are not as like widely known as the games. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah, like you have a huge audience of people who've played the games, even if it's just The Witcher Three. Well, I think that's a problem you had though with The Witcher when it first came out. People were disappointed when they announced that the show was based on the books, and they were like, it "Has nothing to do with the games," because most people wanted it to be The Witcher Three because that's what people yeah. loved. Yeah, I, I think either one or the other, just based it on the books or the games, I think you're going to get a lot of those people in there that are going to enjoy it from one aspect or another. But then to just make up your own thing and just kind of have it go off the rails, I'm just like, I feel like it's just another swing and a miss. Like, it just seems like a bad idea. Why, I mean, I remember thinking they're better than the people that made these wildly successful properties to begin with. It's just hubris. Yeah. I mean, I remember like 2007, maybe uh, there was a Hitman movie with Timothy Oliphant. I do and remember that thing. I never saw it though. I remember going to see it, and I was a, I'm a fan of the game, and I was like, oh, cool. And I'm thinking to myself, there's no way they can mess this up. It's just about an assassin. It should be so <laughs> easy to make a movie about this. And they totally fucked it up. Yeah. <laughs> it it was like it was just bad and then they've made like two or three other ones since then that were all like direct to dvd and they were awful <laughs> and i was like how like how do you take a great franchise and just totally screw it up yeah it's 
it's crazy. I mean, it, it is weird. Like I said, I just, I, go ahead. I mean, I'd be happy if these game companies just basically just made like CG movies based on yeah. their properties. Well, I was going to say, look at Mario, the Mario movie, wildly successful. Oh my God. It, I just saw that. It was so good. It doesn't, I mean, Mario, you say what you want about it. It, it doesn't have like a quote unquote story in the traditional sense. Obviously mm-hmm. there's a plot going on, but for the movie, it's like you have to come up with a unique story for, you know, thematically for it to make sense and hold water for an hour and a half or whatever the runtime is. I but mean, like, that that movie was so interesting to me, though, because like when people announced that it was Chris Pratt and then we first saw the trailer and he didn't have like the Mario voice. Yeah. Everyone like complained. But then you, like at the beginning of the movie, they have the commercial where they're doing the voices. And I was like, oh, I'm very happy they didn't do that because I could not have watched two hours of Chris Pratt doing that voice. It would be sure, very annoying. Yeah. Yeah, I think people also didn't like that he did like some Instagram post where I was like, hey, it's a me, Mario, in the most mundane <laughs> voice possible. I think that rubbed people the wrong way a little bit. And also because it's Chris Pratt. People seem to I mean, him. personally, I like Chris Pratt, but like, I don't need to see him in everything, but like, I don't I'm mind him. Neutral. I, I don't like him or hate him. I'm just like, like, he's fine. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, it's whatever. But like, for me, um, like I just saw the Sonic the Hedgehog movies. I never saw them when they came out. I decided to watch them back to back. Never seen those. They're honestly solid. Like they're fine. <laughs> I, I get, it doesn't surprise me. Like I said, it it seems like as long as they're, it doesn't even. I, let me rephrase what I've said previously. It doesn't even have to stick to the source material, as long as the characters are themselves. I think it works generally. I think it's when they well, start making the characters radically different from what people recognize them as is when it really goes off the rails. Well, that's the thing. Like with the Sonic movie, I remember the first trailer they put out ever had like Monster Sonic. Essentially, it looked terrible. Yeah, he had like human was, teeth, like so little beady eyeballs. It was awful. And then obviously the fans revolted and they were like, OK, we're, we're delaying it. We're going to fix it. And then they brought out another trailer like six months later and it was so much better. And that's the model they used for the movie. And it was great. And then they made the second one and it was great, too. And then they're making a third one. And I was like, this is awesome. I remember back in like 2009, they had uh, Final Fantasy seven had Advent Children. I've seen that. I think I have and- that on DVD, actually. Honestly, like I bought it on DVD when it came out and then I bought the Blu-ray for like collector's edition when they launched it on Blu-ray. And I remember being blown away by how much better that movie looked on Blu-ray. Interesting. Like it, it, it was extended. So it had extra scenes and like just the fidelity of the movie was just so much better. And I was like, this is what, like, if you want to make a video game movie, just make it like high quality CG. And I'm cool with it. They did one for Final Fantasy 15 as well. I don't remember what it was called. Um, uh, have a, I forget. Um, they, I've definitely, I've definitely yeah, seen they, it though. Yeah, it was. I remember watching that right before Kingsglaive. Kingsglaive, that okay. was it. Um, that movie was really actually good. really good. Yeah, Sean Bean was in there. John Bean, Aaron Paul, Lena. Yeah, because I remember them making a big deal about it, and then. Honestly, I watched it. It was solid. Yeah, I again, I feel like they're like, yeah, we know what we want out of this. Let's just make it reasonable as opposed to let's get people in here who want to make their own project. It's like, make your own, go make your own project. Stop using our name for clout. Don't know. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's king. Is this the king? Yeah, he was the king. Sean Bean was the king in the Final Fantasy 15 movie. That makes sense. <laughs> That's a very Sean Bean role to play. Sean Bean's one of those actors. I I love him, but I it sucks when he's casting things because I'm like, well, I know you're gonna die, so oh, let's just get to Sean it. Bean's I guess. <laughs> he was in a movie we watched called Black Death, and uh, I was like, all right, let's see what happens to him here. That also had uh, uh, the Red Witch, the Red Priestess from Game of Thrones as well. Okay. Uh, oh god, I can't remember her name. Uh, Carice Van Houten, she was in there. Eddie Redmayne was in that. We watched that. And I'm like, what's going to happen to Sean being here? And uh, I won't spoil it for people, but he is in the movie, so you can make your assumptions. <laughs> uh, that, was, that was a decent movie. We were trying to find out. Like, I, I like fantasy, like medieval themed movies, but so mm-hmm. many of them are just super corny. And I'm like, it's hard to like watch a lot of like the older ones because they're just so over the top, like uh, medieval times style or like Renaissance fair feeling where it's just goofy over the top dressing up. Yeah, you know, it's it's either flutes. super serious and kind of depressing or it's like super goofy and you don't want to watch it. Yeah. Black Death was all right. Yeah, it wasn't amazing. It wasn't terrible though. We watched that. We watched oh what was the other uh The King with Timothy Chalamet. Robert Pattinson's also in that a little bit. That one was pretty good. Yeah. Um I don't know. It's hard to go back like early two thousands they made a number of them as well. Clive Owen was in one. I don't know if it was just called King Arthur. I don't remember. That one, going back and watching, I'm like, what is happening here? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah I mean, I remember seeing that King Arthur movie in like 2017 with Charlie Hunnam. Mm. And I remember th- being excited awesome. for it because I was I, I watched Sons of Anarchy, so I really liked Charlie Hunnam, and I was like, "Oh, awesome!" And he's really done jack shit <laughs> since the Sons <laughs> of Anarchy. Really, like, nothing he's done has been good since then. Yeah, I don't remember. Was he? I can't remember if he was in the uh, Ben Affleck movie, Triple Frontier, where they're soldiers. Was that him? the heist movie? Yeah. Yeah, he was in that. Um, I actually, I actually did like that movie, but it also had Pedro, uh, Pedro Pascal and mm-hmm. Oscar Isaac in it too. It did yeah, that was Charlie Hunnam. Okay, I thought it was right. Yeah. Now you had me. Good. Now you had me looking at that. Now I'm looking at Garrett Hedlund, who I think is highly underrated. Garrett Head. Oh, Garrett Hedlund. Do I recognize him? Okay, I recognize him now. I didn't notice him from his uh, headshot photo they used for that, but yeah. He's in the masterpiece that is Tron Legacy. I've not seen that. I've never seen the first Tron either, though. I didn't see the first Tron, but Tron Legacy is very good. Four Brothers. Have you ever seen Four Brothers? I have seen that, yeah. That's a good movie. If they make a sequel, it's going to be called Three Brothers. (laughs) It's never getting a sequel. I doubt it. (laughs) Honestly, I just watched um, about half of Dungeons & Dragons, uh, the new movie they came out with, because I heard it was decent. Yeah, it was pretty good. I got it. about halfway through it and I was like, I'm bored. And I turned okay. it off. <laughs> we, we're just so starved for like content. Like we watched that and was like, all right, this is all right. I, again, wouldn't call it a great movie, but I was like, for what it is, I, I think part of it was, I had no expectations going into it. And I think that helps sometimes. Well, I think for me, like I saw the trailer when I saw, I went to the movies to see something and I saw the trailer for that. And I was like, Oh, that looks pretty good. 
Mm-hmm. And then it came out and there were people who were like, this sucks, blah, blah, blah. And then it came out and then I heard other people going, no, it's actually really good. Like if you like Dungeons and Dragons or if you like that fantasy setting, like you'll love this movie. And I was like, okay, cool. And it was funny. It just wasn't holding my attention, I guess. Fair enough. And I was like, I'm out. I'm good. But outside of that, I mean, I really don't watch that many movies. I find myself, my time is usually pretty stretched as it is. So I, I, I'd rather play a game than watch a movie. That's the problem. Like, I that's why I'm like picky about movies a lot of times too. Like, we, we're, we're caught up with like what we want to watch now, except for The Witcher. But like generally, it's like, that's part of why I don't play like long games anymore. Like open world games and stuff. It's like, I don't have the time. I'm too busy working. Uh, whether it be my actual job or like the online digest productions as a brand, yeah, I just don't have time to do all the extra stuff. And uh, so, yeah, watching like even coming out, there's no movies I'm really interested in for the most part. There's Oppenheimer, we'll probably watch, and then yeah, I'm waiting for it to come to digital before I watch it, but I've heard it's very good, yeah. And then there's Killers of the Flower Moon, which comes out in October, so we'll probably see that. That's a movie about like a a Native American tribe where they're like, they're getting killed off by, you know, frontiersmen essentially. I think it's just like the 1920s or something. And they're okay. killed off because they have like oil on their land. Essentially. It has it's Martin Scorsese's director. It's got Leonardo DiCaprio, Brendan Fraser, I think Robert De Niro. I don't know. I recognize someone else in there too, but I don't remember who it was at the time, but yeah, it, like we have two movies we're interested in for the rest of the year. I'm like, what timeline am I living in where I can only look forward to two movies? <laughs> it's so depressing. I don't know. I keep seeing, I think for me, like I'm mostly, I want to be excited for like Marvel movies. Cause I like superhero stuff, hmm. but like the last three Marvel movies I've watched were all kind of terrible. And I was like, I, I think they're losing their magic. I've never really liked superhero movies in general, particularly. I got movies. I got so into them, and then I watched. Uh, I recently watched Deadpool two for the first time because I saw the first one when it came out and I loved it. But then I just never got around to watching the sequel, and it was good. But then I was like, kind of <laughs> browsing the internet uh, yesterday, and there was an article that came out saying like, oh, like because there's all kinds of rumors now about it because they're like entering production and. Mm-hmm. Uh, they announced that like well Hugh Jackman's coming back as Wolverine yeah. which was like their big thing but I just saw an art, uh, article saying that Channing Tatum was spotted on sets and reportedly he's filming a scene as Gambit which I thought was interesting because he was supposed to have a Gambit solo film like years oh, ago interesting, and it never happened <laughs> mm-hmm. like he was like all on board like he was producing it he was writing it he was starring in it which is usually a bad idea because like i feel like every time i see an actor who's like i'm producing directing writing and i'm doing the lead role i'm like this can be terrible (laughs) but like gambit's growing up gambit was my like my favorite x-men so i was like i want to see a movie like i want to see him done justice and the movie never happened but now there's rumors oh he's gonna be in deadpool 3 and i'm like that's cool but like as far as like i I can't get too excited i feel like because Disney owns the rights to X-Men again, which is cool, but they're not doing anything with it so far. They haven't really had an X-Men film. They haven't really introduced any characters from that franchise. Um, except for professor Xavier was in the last uh, Dr. Strange movie as a cameo, but he was only in it very shortly. And I was like, 
sorry, go ahead. I was going to go, I'll let you finish what you're saying before I jump in. Go ahead. Uh, it just kind of feels like they spent all this money like five years ago, six years ago now to like buy Fox so they could have the X-Men back and they haven't used them. It just feels very odd. Yeah. It, I, th- like I said, it, Disney owns so much at this point. I think, I think they're kind of overwhelmed with how much they own trying to manage a release schedule so they don't interrupt their own success. But as far as like superhero movies in general go, like I liked the first Iron Man movie. I saw that in theaters. I was like, this is cool. Superhero movies hadn't taken off like they are now at that point. So I, I went into it. I was young. I mean, that was what, 2000? I don't even remember. Uh, uh, 2008, I believe. Could be. It was, uh, yeah, 2008. So we saw it in theaters. And I was like, oh, this is pretty good. I like this. And then we saw the second one. I was like, I like this less. And then I've seen the third one. I don't remember if I watched it like at home or something. But I was just like, eh. So I watched Iron Man. And then I had seen like clips from the other ones. I was like, I just am not interested. And then I saw Thor Ragnarok. And I was like, okay, I enjoyed this a little bit. This one was good. And then we saw Thor Love and Thunder in theaters. Didn't like that one as much. I just thought it was too over the top. And just, I feel like they didn't use Christian Bale very well. And other than that, I'm like, I just don't have an interest in superhero movies. I, I've never been a superhero person to begin with, so I'm biased against it, I guess. But, man, it's just, it's so frustrating as someone who's not interested in superhero movies, watching the market get saturated with Marvel films, and I'm just over here wanting other movies. And it's just, we're putting all our money into superheroes. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Uh, my, my, like, favorite genre of movies is heist films. Okay, but we really don't get those anymore. Like that was more mm-hmm. of an '80s thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the last one I watched that was like really good and I liked it was like the uh, the town with Ben Affleck. Yeah, yeah, I like that. But one. like outside of that, like there really aren't any good modern day heist films, which is unfortunate because like I watched uh, like I watched you know Heat growing up and like mm-hmm. Ocean's Eleven and Ocean's Twelve, and I was like these are all amazing. I love these, and then like. Yeah it kind of fell off at one point that and like uh gangster films, you know, the Godfather stuff like that. Yeah. Goodfellas was one my girlfriend. Loves. Yeah. Goodfellas like, um, sleep, um, not sleeping dogs, reservoir dogs. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, like all those kind of things. And I was like, these, like those kind of movies used to be really popular. Now you don't really get those anymore. Mm-hmm. I thought Westerns were making a bit of a comeback. We had like The Magnificent Seven, Hatefully, Django. But a lot of these films all coming out for a while. They had True Grit, the remake of True Grit. I don't remember what year that was. I'm like, oh, the re- you know, Westerns are making sort of a comeback. And that just fell off entirely again. I'm like, okay. It's like, I'm not a huge Western guy by any means. But I was like, oh, it's nice. We'll have a little change of pace. And now uh, back to superheroes. <laughs> yeah. True Grit was uh, 2010. Was it? I like that with one. Jeff, that with Jeff Bridges, which... Jeff Bridges is also a uh, wonderful actor. Yeah. Yeah. He was an Iron Man. I know. Yeah. Marvel had a problem back then, and they still have the problem. Their problem is they kill off all their villains and then they can't reuse them. <laughs> and I don't, I used to do not much of a superhero guy, but like in comic books and in like the animated series that comic books usually ended up with in the 90s and early 2000s was like the idea is like superheroes don't kill their, their enemies so they can come back later. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it's just 
in general, I'm just like, you, you go on Disney plus, we don't have Disney plus anymore, but you'd open it up and it's like every single property, every single option on there was Marvel for the longest time. I'm just like, Oh my God. Or star Wars, which I'm also not a huge fan of star Wars, which is unfortunate. I don't hate that, but I don't hate star Wars. I just feel like it's supremely overrated. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm into star Wars, but I'm into star Wars mostly for the video games more than the movies. Okay. Like I'll watch the movies. I don't, like I grew up on the prequel trilogy, which as in the Star Wars like fandom, mm-hmm. liking the prequels is like blasphemy. <laughs> but I I really do like the prequels a lot. Um, the Disney movies that they've made since, like their Disney trilogy, was awful. And but like I played like Star Wars: The Old Republic, which is their MMO. I've mm-hmm. I've played that for years. Um. Like I recently jumped into Jedi Survivor. Okay. Like I like the IP of the the newer games. Yeah, Jedi Survivors like the Dark Souls Star Wars games. Yeah, they made two of that though so far. Which is that the first or second one? Uh, Jedi Survivor is the newest one. That's the second one. The first one was uh, Fallen Order. Okay. Okay. Both fantastic games. Um, but like overall, I would say Disney they own too much and they don't know what to do with it. Like you said, mm-hmm. they also seem to think in terms of like, especially star Wars, they seem to think that, well, the name star Wars will sell tickets. We don't need to put as much effort into it as yeah. you know, anything else. And I kind of felt like, you know, they kind of got that way with Marvel. I feel like too, like Marvel at the beginning, they really had to try hard to like establish it. Now it's been established mm-hmm. for a decade. Now they feel like they, don't want to try. They think they can just throw a, a movie out, throw Marvel on the box and sell tickets. You mentioned that they don't know what to do with their villains. Like they kill them off and don't ever. I feel like they're doing that with their main characters too. Cause yeah. like you had the original core Avengers characters and a lot of them have moved on in one way or another. They've died or however, you know, it works out for them. And so now we're getting into like the, you know, more nitty gritty characters that less people are familiar with, which they've had success with a lot of those. I mean, I would, you know, back in the day, I wouldn't have considered, I, I never really knew about Iron Man, but now he's a household name essentially. But well, I feel like we're getting to the point where there's so many of them that people are like, this is just a dumbed down version of Captain America or whatever, or we're just dragging it on the same character for 15 years at this point. Well, that's the thing. Like in comic books, like Captain America, you know, that's a title. And like you do have yeah. Steve Rogers, who is Captain America, but then like, you know, now they have the, in the Marvel movies they're doing, you know, Falcon is now Captain America. And like that's in the comics. I mean, I don't have a problem with it. Um, Bucky in the comics is becomes Captain America 1.2. Same with Iron Man. Like you had Iron Man as Tony Stark and then Rhodey took over as Iron Man for a while. And then you had other people try to be Iron Man adjacent and it happens. But like, I feel like with Marvel, they wanted to make these movies forever, but you had, you know, Robert Downey Jr. is getting older and, you know, all these actors are getting older, but Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. especially, like, he aged quite a bit from Iron Man 1 to Ageable, um, till Endgame or, or Infinity War. Yeah. And he was starting to get too old for the role, I think. Like, he was, like, he was aging, you know, and you could tell he was getting older. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like now Marvel's like, oh, let's throw, like you said, throw in all these random heroes that nobody knows. 
And I feel like what they should have done instead, because they own the rights now, is like they should have just jumped right into Fantastic Four, X-Men, like their bigger properties that people mm-hmm. still know. Because yeah, just... like, like in the 90s, like X-Men were the big thing. I knew mm-hmm. more about X-Men than Avengers. Yeah. Yeah, it's just they they have so many of these offshoot, especially with like their TV shows. They had uh was it Ms. Marvel? Is that the one? I'm thinking yeah. of, I think. Where it's like nobody knows who she is. And I guess it did okay. I have no idea. I, I don't follow it closely enough, but I'm like, you have all these weird odds and end character. What was the uh they had Jessica Jones? Yeah, that, that was the Netflix uh, series. Netflix made Iron Daredevil, Fist. Jessica Jones, Iron Fist, mm-hmm. and Luke Cage, and then they yeah. teamed up to be the Defenders because that's what they are in the comics. Oh, yeah. Um, out of those shows, like Daredevil was fantastic. If you ever mm-hmm. go watch Daredevil, like all three seasons are great. Um, I heard Jessica Jones season one was good. I never watched it. Um, Iron Fist I heard was terrible. Yeah. I, and I heard I, Luke Cage was good, and I heard that the Defenders was decent but that's another thing that gets messy because like now you had people were questioning you know are the netflix shows canon with the movies Mm -hmm. or or are they their own thing and for a while it looked like they were their own thing but then uh spider-man no way uh no way no way home the last one they made yeah um you know charlie cox is in there as a cameo and he's mm-hmm. playing you know you don't see him in in suit but you see him and he is definitely you know matt murdoch and he's definitely yeah. daredevil and it's like okay so he's officially part of the mcu and he's supposed to be getting his own show but apparently because their other shows aren't doing so hot there's a chance it's not gonna get made now because disney is cutting content left and right mm-hmm. it just they they've stretched their themselves so thin by just trying to expand to every character possible, get so much content out there where it's like, we just have all these different characters. And I've, I've maintained this point for years now where I feel like most of the content literally doesn't matter aside from getting you to the next movie or next TV show where it's like, it just feels like none of these characters are important to them. It's like, Hey, uh, let's, you know, Thor, Thor, Ragnarok. The only purpose of Thor Ragnarok is to serve as getting Thor into the position we need him to be in for the big movie, the next Avengers movie. And it's yeah, like, I pretty like much. That's how all of the like TV shows and stuff are, where even like I said, I, I'm not even a fan of these shows. I don't watch most of them, but even from an outside perspective, that's what it seems like. Where they're just used as stepping stones to the main big movies that they're trying to put together with all the characters involved, and it's like what's the point of watching throwaway content in bulk if it's just that throwaway content meant to like leapfrog you to the main story that you're trying to tell? Yeah, you're definitely not wrong. I mean, it definitely feels like that they kind of went from caring a lot about telling a story and telling it well and getting you invested. And then they kind of became just, you know, oh, we know people are going to come see these. You know, we need money, money, money. And they essentially just want you to come see everything all the time. Yeah. Oh, here it is. I was trying to find the. Uh... Well, this is phase four. So this isn't. I think we're past this now, maybe. I can't tell. This is a tiny blurry image. But like, I'm looking at this screenshot from phase four. And it's what, two, three, four, five, six, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. This is 18 different pieces of content 
over like a year and a half. It's like, that's insane to me. How many different TV shows and movies just, if I were super invested in this or just invested in like the main movies, like, Oh my God, face. Yeah. From January 15th, 2021 to December of 2022, there's like 20 different things on here. I'm like, if I want to, if I'm a, like a half-hearted fan, this seems like an ungodly amount of homework to do just to understand what's going on in the main movies. Yeah, for it's, sure. It's way too much. And that's the issue. I mean, I think they're on phase five now, if I recall. If I'm right, I don't even know because I haven't watched it in so projects long. projects from January 2021 to December of 2022. That's too much. That's what, yeah, phase so, five is here. Phase five started this year. February 17th with Ant-Man and the Wasp. It says. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, The Marvels, which isn't out yet. And then you have Secret Invasion, which just came out. Um, Loki is supposed to be getting a second season. Echo mm-hmm. is supposed to get, is supposed to be coming out. Then you know they have 2024 stuff. Deadpool three, Captain America, Brave New World, Thunderbolts, Blade is coming out in 2025. Seventeen projects, as and then a bunch of five. like TV shows and stuff. And I was like, this is insane. Like it's so much to keep up with. In just over a year, there's 17 projects here for Phase Five. From February of 2023 to July of 2024. Yeah. Yeah, they it's have the insane. Marvels. Armor Wars, which I'm assuming has something to do with Iron Man's child. Um, Armor Wars. Says daughter actually, or something. I actually don't know. I have no idea. Captain America, New World. Yeah, Thunderbolts. Uh, Daredevil, Born Again. What the heck is this? Agatha, Coven of Chaos. So WandaVision spinoff starring Catherine Hahn as Agatha Harkness, previously called Agatha House of Harkness. Okay. Yeah, so they, they had the WandaVision show and she was a character mm-hmm. in that and they were like, yeah, we're going to give her her own thing now. This is what I'm talking about. Like you have all these weird spinoffs of these. <laughs> like nobody knew who Wan- the you know Wanda was or uh, what's her name? Scarlet Witch. Nobody would have known who she was before, you know, the most like most recent shows. And now we're doing spinoff shows of side characters in a, a background character. Like they're getting so into the nitty gritty. This is what I'm talking about. Like, this is why some people are feeling burnout. This is why I'm just sitting here like, please just bring back actual TV. Movies. Yeah, for sure. Honestly, like streaming services were supposed to be like the killer of cable. Now they're becoming mm-hmm. cable. It's a problem. Yeah. I like, I don't know. It's just, it's so much. And, I guess I've said this for years too. It's like, I've always felt like every Marvel series is the exact same thing. And by series, I mean like the main character movies, like Iron Man one, two, three is a very similar plot line in the grand scheme of things as like Captain America, one, two, three, whatever. Yeah. You know, the first three Thor movies, like they've always had the same overarching plot where it's movie one, the main character figures out that they have powers or, you know, they've come into contact with their powers. Movie two, they're still figuring out their powers. They get kind of arrogant. Movie three, they overcome their past, you know, and and go on to become the person they were meant to be, so to speak. That's that's every single one of these movies in my mind, and I'm probably <laughs> wrong on a number of them. No, you're you're really not. I mean, the problem is most movies follow like the hero's journey story like mm-hmm. arc. I think last I feel I, like, like it's <sighs> even more. I think I just feel like it's even less nuanced in like these superhero movies. No, they're not even trying. Yeah. They're like, essentially theme that parts have, that you watch. Yeah. I get that it's like you have to have like a there's only so many stories you can tell, right? 
and I I am aware of that. I get that. But for me, like with the superhero genre in particular, I'm like, it's the superhero story being told over and over again. It's not like this particular character's story being told. It's a superhero story. It's the main character. They have a love interest, and there's a big bad guy who works for the bigger bad guy who works for the bigger bad guy. And it's just over and over again. I hate, I, this is a side thing as well. I hate the superhero landing pose has made its way into like every facet of media, <laughs> the, the superhero landing rather. Uh, if you went to watch uh, the black widow movie, they actually spent a good time riffing on the superhero landing. Did they? Yeah, one of the characters is like, why do you land like that? It's so stupid. <laughs> I know they made a, a joke about it in Deadpool 1. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, if here she goes, superhero, superhero yeah, landing. Yeah, I think it was the first one or the second one, but I remember. Uh, that. That's the first one right at the end of the okay. movie. Yeah, I remember that. There, I forget what we watched recently. I don't know if it was The Witcher. It was something we watched recently where they did that. I'm like, why are they doing that in this movie? <laughs> or in this <laughs> show even? Like, oh, no. It's just everywhere. It is. It's unfortunate. I want to see someone try and do that and their wrist just snaps and it's them laying face first on the ground. That's what needs to happen in some of these. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely awful for your knees for sure. Yeah. It's just them being like, I can't get back up. This is this is so painful. Um, before we get too too far in here, I did want to mention one more thing before we wrap. Uh, you know, you're working on getting your podcast up going, everything like that. Uh, how's that been going for you? And uh, what's your focus like? for your show um so i've actually i've definitely been trying to get it off the ground but it hasn't been going as well as i wanted um like i said i'm using notion to kind of organize and make episode outlines and keep track of guests and all that fun stuff i have a discord server as well that i'm running trying to keep everyone in there so we can chat and try to become friendly between shows or just get to know each other kind of make people more at ease and want like be able to talk more because like you i think we talked before the show and we were saying you know people people sometimes clam up they don't really want to they don't once you hit record they kind of don't know what to do so i'm trying to avoid that but um a large part of the issue i had was i think my first episode i was trying to do was basically going to talk about all the showcases that just happened in the last month um you know we we had playstation then we had the summer games fest and we had xbox and ubisoft and Mm. they announced a bunch of you know stuff and it was great and i wanted to kind of discuss all that but the problem is that's i think the problem is that's a heavy topic Mm -hmm. and a lot of people i'm realizing are not as like nitty-gritty in the mud of the gaming industry the way that i usually am they're just interested in playing games and chatting. With yeah. Or so I'm like, I'm like, yeah, let's talk about this. Industry. And most people are like, I did not watch it. <laughs> yeah. And so I was kind of trying to, uh, I shelved that one. I'm trying to kind of work with my potential guests and see what they want to talk about and kind of mm-hmm. come up with a couple episodes. Cause I do want to record a few before I put them all live. Yeah. Kind of get me a bit of a head start, but I'm definitely hoping by the uh, end of this month to have it live and have at least an episode published. Nice. Yeah. It's like we were talking before the show. It's, it's weird. Like even for our show, we go in streaks of like getting guests scheduled. We're fortunate in that we get 
a lot recorded at a time, a number of these episodes, so we don't have to run around last minute trying to find people. Uh, but it's weird. Like, I think part of it too, and I don't know, I'm not speaking on your behalf here, uh, but I think some people like with podcasts, when they go into it, they're cautious about actually reaching out to people. Like I, one of the places I use is podcast guest exchange. I find people that are interested in being guests and I reach out to them. So occasionally I'll post something on there looking for guests. And, but I think it's hard. Sometimes people have a hard time reaching out directly to people as far as like requesting that they become a guest on their show. I do not have that problem. I have a history, you know, in my, my career of cold calling for sales and marketing and stuff like that. So I have no issue reaching out to people or just like, I mean, in, in my real life, just walking up to people and asking them questions and talking to them. It's not a problem I have speaking to people. So like we get shot down. I don't know how many people I reach out to a week. Uh, it's probably close to like 50, 55, maybe almost all of those are no's, but we get one or two yeses. It doesn't deter me at all. I think some people will, would see that and be like, oh, that's so depressing. If I got shot down that many times, I don't know what I'd do. But that's just how the world works. You're not going to get every single person to say yes. Most people are always going to say no because they don't know you. They don't know your content. It's very, very hard, especially when you're starting out. It's so hard to get people that are bigger than you to pay attention to you because it doesn't benefit them as much as it does you. And it's, yeah, it is what it is. But I think just having that moment of courage to reach out to anyone and everyone is is super valuable. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I was actually just looking at my Twitter account on my messages to see how many uh, cold messages I sent uh, mm-hmm. about two weeks ago just to anybody who I wanted to talk to. Like, And they're, they are admittedly like a lot bigger than me. Like, They mm-hmm. are actually professionals in the industry. Like, they're well known. But I was like, hey, I'm starting a podcast. I'd love it if I if you could come guest or, you know, if they had a podcast, I even offered to like guest on their show. And I sent 22 messages and I've had zero <laughs> responses. Yeah. It, but that's just part of the, pro, you know, it's part of the process. I'm just going to keep trying. Yeah. It, like I said, it is what it is. We've, we've reached out to so many people that are, there's no way I know going into it. Like there's no way this person is going to respond. And then in the process of reaching out to them, I stumble across other people in their like sphere of influence that might agree. Like there was a point where Andy Dick was getting in trouble for a lot of stuff like a year or two ago, maybe like a year and a half ago, maybe I was like, I'm going to reach out to Andy Dick and see if this will work out. And no, it didn't. But I got the guy on that was with him when he got like raided by the the SWAT and everything like that. Super nice guy. Wappy flanker. Go check out his music. People that are interested. Super nice guy. Did a couple of live uh, performances on the show here. And, you know, I... I made it a point to talk about him and not Andy Dick because he's not Andy Dick, obviously. And I don't want to use people to get information on other people, if that makes sense. So we mm-hmm. made the show about him, talked about him, his music and everything like that. And at the end of the show, we made a point like, all right, this is one thing I did want to know. Like, what was your experience like, you know, with having him around? And we talked about it briefly and it was what it was. Uh, but yeah, just going back to the main point is just, it doesn't hurt you to reach out to people. Again, not talking to you in particular, just the royal you of the audience. It, The worst they can do is n- say no or not respond. It, it doesn't matter. It, just reach out to people. Uh, you're never going to get an interview from somebody if you don't ask them. Uh, it's just 
super important to remember that. Yeah, for sure. I've like I've reached out primarily at first, like the first like 10, 15 people I messaged probably were people who I listen to their podcast. I'm, I'm a fan and I really, you know, thought it'd be cool to chat with them. I knew mm-hmm. going into that, like they probably weren't going to get back to me. Um, I have I'm, I'm grateful, though. I mean, on Twitter, I, I've made friends that are podcasters and like they started their own podcasts and, you know, we chat occasionally about the craft and doing it and we've we're trying to like find time to like guest on each other's shows and kind of promote each other um Mm -hmm. my one buddy just had a baby so he is not podcasting right now (laughs) (laughs) um but it's like it's one of those things it's like you know i networking and trying to put yourself out there and just Mm -hmm. put good things out and hope good things come back yeah like i said it is it is awkward for some people because it's they just have no history of that. They have no experience with like cold calling and outreach and things like that. And oh, it's terrifying. It's my entire career is marketing and reaching out to people and talking to strangers. So like I'm in a privileged position in that regard. And you know, again, marketing like I know how to promote my podcast and like SE, <clears throat> excuse me, like the SEO side of it and everything like that. So I'm very fortunate in that like. I have like a couple of legs up in that regard, but at the same time, I'm starting at the same spot everyone else is with, you know, day one, right. When we got started, it's like, yep, nobody knows who we are. Nobody has a reason to come on our show, but we still have to figure out and ask. And that's what we did. We started with people we knew personally, had them on, come on the show and talk about their experiences, like with, you know, being paramedics and things like that. And then just reaching out to people. Um, I think it also helps if you, as opposed to like some people just reach out like, Hey, I have a podcast. Do you want to come on? It's like explain to them why it'd be worth their while. Say, Hey, you're bigger than me, but you know, maybe you have a, I have a different audience than you do. And you can reach a few more people, you know, it's just a laid back, you know, chat, whatever, you know, it's an area of something that you're super interested in can talk about it. You know, just be a fun time, just whatever, just give them a reason to come on as opposed to just asking them, Hey, come on my show, please. (laughs) It's a good point. there's nuance to it all. Like what I'm saying is not the end all be all, obviously. Uh, Sometimes it'll work. Sometimes it won't. It is what it is, but I I just have comp, you know, telling people to have confidence in their own work. Uh, Cause some people are always worried like, you know, I'll use Twitch streaming as an example. It's like, Oh, I want to build up my audience. Nobody's watching. Should I even try at this point? It's like, just have, you know, have confidence in yourself. It's, It's a huge part of it. I mean, working in sales, when I first started working in sales, I had zero experience in advertising. That's what I started out as. I, I was a, uh, a sales rep for an advertising firm. And what I would do is I, I mean, it was a, it was a more locally based for, you know, print, like magazines, newspapers, uh, like inserts, things like that. And my job was literally to drive around to the local businesses, walk into their stores and ask for like the owner, manager, whoever would make the decision. And ask them if they'd like to give me money to put ads together for them. And like getting started in that, it's like, this is the most awkward, bizarre thing imaginable. Just walk into, you know, talk to somebody you've never met before and ask them for money. And it was so uncomfortable at first. And then like very quickly, I realized I'm like, I don't care. Like it, what, what are they going to do? They're going to say, no, I'm not interested. It's like, okay, whatever. It doesn't affect me. It's fine. I mean, it does affect me and I'm not making money, but doesn't affect me personally so to speak 
and it just is what it yeah, is. Yeah, for like, sure. It really helped. I had to get over that super quickly, and I did. Fortunately, a lot of people are not in that same boat, or unfortunately, it depends on your perspective of it. But well, like I'm a, like as a freelance web developer, like I constantly have to try to cold call businesses, mm-hmm. and it is my least favorite part of my job. I'm not good at it. I don't know. Like I'm not good at convincing people, and I tend to. Uh, I need to learn how to just like let it roll off if somebody says no, because I tend to take it very personally. Like, oh, I'm like, I'll be like, oh, I must not be good enough or I'm or I messed it up or I did something wrong. And whenever the reality is like they might not, just not be interested. <laughs> you like web developing, though? That's your, It's a passion of yours. Yeah, I, I enjoy like designing. I'm especially like fond of the UI UX design process, but like I code everything by hand usually and mm-hmm. Like, I, I like it. I've always been into it. Like, I took all the programming classes my high school offered when I was in school. And, yeah. um, like, I've always kind of dabbled. But it's one of those things, like, you know, trying to reach out to a small business that maybe doesn't have a lot of capital to begin with and try to get them to pay you to give them a website, especially in today's age. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a hard sell because, like, the answer I usually get is, well, I have Facebook. Mm-hmm. And you try to explain to them, like, you know, well, you having a website, like, that gives you direct access to your customers. Like, it, you know, what would you do if Facebook goes away one day? And most people scoff at the idea and they say, that'll never happen. And I said, that's what they said about MySpace. Yeah. Or AOL. <laughs> All that shit, man. Yeah. No, I, I said it's like having, letting that passion come through when you're talking to people, I think helps to an extent as well. You know, and I, I realized that too. Like, I didn't have a passion for advertising, like print advertising or anything like that. And I think people could tell when I show up and I'm just like, eh, it's, you know, ad in the paper, or, you know, in the magazine or whatever, and people might see it. But like, if I talk to people like now, where it's, I think part of it is my perspective on like sales and marketing in general, where it's like, I, I can sell something I'm passionate about because it actually matters to me. Right. I think, I think you're probably, I imagine you're probably the same way to an extent too, maybe with your, you know, web development, stuff like that. It's easier to talk about that than it would be to like sell cars. If it's something you're not interested in, I was like, I wouldn't know where to start or I wouldn't really care. But like, for me, it was like, I can go up to anybody now and talk to them about, you know, like my brand, like Dead Productions. I could say like, yeah, this is what we're, you know, we're helping people. We're working with people. We get to talk with so many cool people, uh, you know, every week. I'm talking to somebody new and it's, it's incredible. I get a new perspective on things. I get to hear their story. You know, why would I not want to do this? Why wouldn't you want to be a part of this? It's like, I, I take that perspective of it. It was like, why wouldn't you do this? And I, I recognize what you're saying too, with people, people are always going to put up a barrier. Uh, if you're asking them for money, like reasons why they shouldn't or why they wouldn't want to, to do it. And a lot of the difficulty in sales in particular is just, like not even approaching it from a sales perspective, but more of a consultative perspective where it's like, what, you know, asking them like, what are your issues you're facing right now? Like I'll use your example in particular, like, like how, how could your business improve? You know, how could you get more sales? Like is Facebook allowing you to, you know, boost your, your numbers a bit, get it in front of more people and this and that, you know, how, how could you better manage this? And, you know, some of the times I get people say like, well, I don't know, I think we're doing pretty good. I'm like, yeah, but how could you do better? 
using Facebook and they say, I don't know. It's like, well, you know, like with uh, having their own website and say like, well, you're in control of like all the inventory. You can manage exactly how it looks. You know, you can choose exactly how many people you get in front of, you know, and it's just having all the hands-on uh, options and being able to be fully in control of it as opposed to having Facebook do it for you. Having And then, you know, some of the responses you might get are, well, I don't want to have to do all the extra work, but that's where you'd come in, you know, and just having that answer for everything they put up is helpful, but also making it seem like you're there to help them as opposed to sell them a product was something that worked mm-hmm. for me. No, that's definitely a interesting way to go about it. I never really uh, considered going about it like that. It's probably a better idea. Usually I would just be like, oh, hey, uh, you know, like I would call local businesses that were kind of small, but I'd say, hey, like I see that you either they didn't have a website or they had a really shitty website. Mm-hmm. And if they had a shitty website, I would say, you know, like I would just kind of be like, oh, you know, I see you have a website. It looks like it hasn't been updated in a while. Like, would you be interested in talking about that? Like I could help you, you know, rebrand if you, if necessary, just help you update your site to modern standards and help you reach more clients. And, you know, I would try and pitch them. And a lot of times I would get people, I like most time people just hang up. Like they just don't even say anything. They just hang up on you. I'm like, okay, cool. If, if by some miracle I get them to talk, one of two things happens usually either, either they'll just straight up say no and they're not interested and I'll go, okay, you know, sorry for wasting your time or what I've had happen lately, which is almost just as bad to me, which is they'll say they're interested. They'll ask you to shoot them an email with like a proposal mm-hmm. and you do that. And then you never hear from them again. Yeah. Part of sales too is like closing it out as quickly as possible. Cause like it, like you're saying with the sending the email and then them not responding is just getting an answer from them. Yes or no, like in the moment. So there's not that dead. And cause once it's, once you send the email, it's completely out of your hands and that's where it goes wrong. Even if they are interested, it's like the odds of them, the odds of closing that sale go down like huge. It, it just largely goes down when it's completely out of your hands and they have time to, you know, continue thinking about it or come up with more reasons why they don't want to do it. And yeah, I, I mean, the I issue we had here, mind. yeah, go ahead. The issue we had around here was like there was apparently a web developer going around to small businesses and telling them that they, oh, you know, I'm going to make you a website and this is my price and whatever. And they take, they would say they're taking 50% up front mm-hmm. and they would take like 500 bucks as a 50% down payment and then they would just mm-hmm. disappear and they were basically scamming these businesses out of money. Interesting. So when I approached these same businesses, apparently not that long after, they were like, oh, no, not again. And I was like, what do you mean not again? And they were like telling me about this like experience they've had with this shitty web developer. Mm-hmm. And part of my solution was like, hey, I can give you like I can give you, you know, a contract that would and my contract states, you know, yeah, you're paying me 50 percent upfront. It's this much money. And it like lays out like my deadlines, your deadlines, like what is expected of both of us. And it basically covers me, but it also covers them. I was like, I'm not looking to rip you off. I'm just looking to make a living here. And I had this restaurant she was like, I'm absolutely like interested. She wanted me to send her like my contract. And I was like, okay, send another contract. And I was like, just send it back. Like I'd send it via DocuSign. I said, just sign it and uh, send it back when you're done. And you know, we'll, we'll do business. And then, Never got, never heard from her. Tried calling her a few times, couldn't get through. And I was like, okay, 
And it kind of sucked because I was like, I, I would have rather her just said she wasn't interested in the end, you know, instead of saying she was. It happens. Yeah, I've had that happen plenty of times. Like I said, I think some some of that on them too is they don't want to like tell you no to your face because then they feel bad. They'd rather just ghost you. It's like a it's like a, a, a girlfriend or whatever just being like, ah, it's easier if I just don't text him back and never, you know, we just move on with our lives sort of thing. <laughs> Yeah, it's like I said, that's sort of why I've always and I don't want to tell you how to do your job, obviously. But like like I said, that was why I adopted that like consultative approach where if I walk like you mentioned, like websites that need updated, if I were to approach someone and be like, hey, your website, you know, looks kind of out of date. I don't want my the first impression of me to be, hey, this someone's coming up to me and talking down to me about like my work or like anything to do with my business. Like I've always taken it as like, hey, you know, this is I'll, I'll pretend I'm in your shoes for a second. It's like, hey, you know, I'm a web developer. I'm just reaching out to see, like, if, you know, what's going on in the area, just trying to familiarize myself with, you know, the businesses in the area. I was just trying to see, like, what you have going on. And it's different, I think, over the phone than in person, which is what I was doing. But it's like, I'm just trying to familiarize myself with, like, the local businesses and and see what's going on and get them to just open up about themselves more before you dive into, like, the business aspect of it. Just see, like, oh, what, you know, how are things been going? You know, economy is kind of like up in the air sometimes Has that affected you guys at all, whatever, you know? And, and, you know, if they say, Oh, you know, it's, or like I'll use COVID COVID's probably a good example. When I, when we were closed down, right. As COVID started, they would say, yeah, you know, we can't have people coming into the store. So business has been hurting. I'd say, Oh, you know, well, you know, if you have the, you know, your website, people can shop online through your website. They don't have to come in. You can do all the shipping and stuff in here it makes it super easy and you can expand your audience to like everyone anywhere. You know, you're not competing just against people locally. You're competing against Amazon and Walmart and everything. Like business is not local anymore, regardless of the scale. And it's kind of the approach I would take with people just let them know, Hey, you're not just competing locally. You're competing against every company that has a website that also offers the same products you do. And that was sort of the approach I took, but just, Showing them that I'm there to help as opposed to sell them a product was the main lesson I learned early on uh, because it just made them feel a bit more secure with me as a, you know, as a, a salesman, supposedly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't know. It just, in, I don't know if it's endears the right word, but it endeared them to me more as opposed to me just going in just upfront selling them a product. But take it as you will. I don't want to s- pretend like No, I'm it like, makes, it honestly makes perfect sense. That's definitely helpful. That was, yeah, that was, that was my experience. I just, I got tired of it after a while. Cause I was, I, I worked in an area where it's like, I have a specific region to work in. Mm-hmm. And so the job after I got, you know, set in, I had my clients and everything. I could still do outreach to try and get new clients, but I got tired. I was like, most of my day is just me sitting down and doing maintenance on these accounts. You know, like your ad needs updated. Okay. What are we doing? Just changing the dates and the prices. Okay. And it just became that. And I was like, it was just so repetitive and it wasn't creative at all and so i just i was just like i can't do this anymore and then my current employer reached out to me out of the blue and they're like we saw your resume i'm like thank god i'll take it i'll take the job what is it (laughs) (laughs) it was yeah i don't know we'll see always a always a stepping stone that's how i treat it though always trying to improve upon wherever it is i'm doing wherever i am yeah, for sure. I mean, freelancing has been slow lately, so I've definitely been trying to uh, 
move into a more traditional role. Hmm. But so right now I'm just trying to impress some employers, which um, it's rough out here. Like I'm seeing companies want, they expect a lot from, especially developers now than what Mm -hmm. they used to. And you're seeing, I'm seeing a lot of like, I I saw a a job listing the other day actually, which was kind of ridiculous because it was um, like, they wanted react, which is a JavaScript framework, but they wanted you to have like X amount of years experience. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was essentially, if I recall, one of them I saw had more experience. Like they wanted more years than what the than what that technology was around for. I've seen that happen. Yeah, we want, and I was like, I want you to have twenty years of experience with Twitter. It's like I don't think you know how old Twitter is. Yeah, and it's like, what? Okay, sure. Like apparently, and you know, like conventional wisdom from career coaches and stuff seems to be like apply anyway because mm-hmm. job listings are written by HR who don't know what they're doing. But like, it's just a rough market. I mean, you have tons of layoffs that have been happening in tech, especially. So like a lot of people aren't hiring right now and you're seeing people desperate for jobs and mm-hmm. you're seeing companies now that remote work is a thing. They don't want to pay 100K salaries anymore. They want to move the jobs, move the jobs, quote unquote, to smaller towns. So they don't have to pay that much, but still want you to do the same work. Yeah even though it's remote and you could work from anywhere they're they're gonna say oh this is located in like you know delaware (laughs) or something and be like we're only gonna pay you 60 grand yeah it's it's interesting i mean obviously people want to get the most out of the least amount of work for themselves i'm not saying people everyone wants to be like slacking off and whatever lazy but i mean it makes sense. You know, you want to get paid as much as possible for doing the least amount of work possible. And then, yeah, know, I think that's just human thing. nature at this point. Yeah. I'm not saying that in a negative way. I'm just, like I said, that ideally that's what you would want to do is get as much money as possible and not have to do anything. And then employers want to get the most amount of work for the least amount of money because they're running a business. It makes sense. And so you have to find that middle ground and both, I, I'm going to mischaracterize this slightly. But both sides are taking advantage of each other to an extent. And that's just how business works. Everybody wants to get the best deal for themselves. And obviously, there's going to be employers out there who, you know, want to do as much for their employees as they can. My employer's like that. You know, every month we have, you know, a employee luncheon where we all get together and they come in and get us food and lunch and everything like that. They give us gift cards and stuff. They're very nice. They're good people. Uh, and then there's going to be employees out there who work extra hard because they want to make a name for themselves and, you know, whatnot. And people appreciate that. And sometimes they don't, uh, you know, that's it, just how it is. You know, everything's, you know, dependent on the, the people involved. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think COVID especially kind of shook up careers and shook up employment mm-hmm. and people are realizing that there's more to life than working your life away. And yeah. people are realizing that they're worth more than what they feel that they're being treated and people want more. And these businesses have been, you know, exploiting people for a long time mm-hmm. and you're seeing newer generations, especially kind of be like, yeah, fuck that. Like you're seeing, when COVID started, like people were like, Oh, no one in the right mind is going to quit their job because you know, it's a pandemic and they're going to want to work and they're going to want money. And like you saw record turnovers because people were yeah. like, I want better jobs. We want to be treated better than this. It's not people want to be treated better. They just want to be treated with the respect they deserve. I feel yeah. like 
Well, I mean, pretty much, but that's the problem, right? Like most yeah. bit, most jobs don't treat you with the respect you deserve. Yeah, especially with the way a lot of stuff is. Like if you look at the cost of things have gone up so much and wages have stagnated. And oh, for sure. Depending on who you talk to, it's being framed one way or another. You know, some people say, oh, these people just, they want to get paid more for doing the same amount of work. But, you know, it's like, well, I need to make a living as well. I need to be able to take care of myself. Uh, I know like the, the thing people often refer to when making their arguments is, you know, jobs reports of like, wow, look how many, you know, this president made this many jobs or whatever. And uh, part of that is, you know, people have to work multiple jobs to get by in a lot of cases. It's, I don't know. It's an interesting, interesting thing to, to see. Um, I just, I don't know. I, in an ideal world, everyone would be able to work, you know, relatively simply. It wouldn't be over overworked at all. And they'd be able to get by easily. Right. Well, I mean, that's like, the main yeah. problem. I mean, yeah, it'd be like the beginning of fallout four where they're just like a oh, happy go lucky. Oh, living in the neighborhood, whatever. <laughs> But no. <laughs> well, I mean, you figure like, you know, you'll see people now like kids want, you know, you see people trying to fight for $15 an hour as a minimum wage because that's a low, that's a minimum level wage these days. Yeah. And you'll see like boomers be like, oh, I made $7 an hour or whatever. I was making $15 an hour when I was your age and it was more, that was a, that was a lot of money. I could buy a house. I could do this. And like, it's like mm-hmm. if you take inflation and like you look at it, like they were making like. 150 grand a year in today's money. Yeah. Like they just don't understand that like, it's not the same. Like everything's so expensive now. Yeah. It, it is interesting. And I don't, I don't want to generalize people. Like I know like my grandfather, like my parents, they're very aware of like how, excuse me, of like how it works. So like, yeah, things are just more expensive now in general. Things are just overpriced. You know, people are getting ripped off because, we do have monopolies in the, in this country. I mean, you look oh, at for like, sure. If you look at like food in general, like food brands, it's like five brands own everything, and then they just divvy it up into smaller, quote unquote, shell companies, so to speak. Where it's like, yeah. oh, you know, you have, there's like all these brands of cereal. It's like it's really two, but they have different names for them. You know, and, and it's like that for everything. It's like water. Yeah. Like bottled I water. mean, like, even it has like five different brands depending on the region of the country. Yeah, even like telecom. I mean, you look at the like the FTC won't say that they're a monopoly because they have competition, quote unquote. But if you look at like where they all operate, like they've divvied up the country into like four or five sections and they all have a section, but like and they compete with each other supposedly, but they're not in the same markets as each other. Mm -hmm. So like where I live, like all we have is Xfinity. Yeah. And it's the only option. There's nothing else. And it's awful because like then they price gouge and they put data limits. They're trying to put data limits now on people. And, you know, in today's world, I think that's insane because like I think when I looked at mine, I have to pay an extra $20 a month on my cable bill because I needed it unlimited. <laughs> and they let me do that because I was looking at my usage and I was using like eight terabytes of data a month. Mm-hmm. And their 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 limit was going to be like a hundred gigs, and I'm like, you're out of your mind. They, I forget what the limit was on mine, but when I was home during COVID, I was working home from home, obviously, so I'm using the internet a lot more. I'm downloading all my files from home, you know, I'm up uploading all of the stuff I'm working on, and you know, I'm in marketing and like, you know, I'm doing a lot of social media stuff, so it's like videos, 
I'm downloading content through like Google Drive or whatever, re-uploading it and whatnot. So there's a lot of content being downloaded and uploaded. And I got my email, uh, not my email, my internet bill. And it was like $200 more. I'm like, what is going on? Like, oh, you went over your limit. I'm like, this was never discussed. Like you, in the thing, when I signed up for it, my, my internet provider was a nightmare to begin with. I signed up for gigabit internet and they got me like 10 megabytes. I'm like, this isn't mm-hmm. even close. Then they upped it to like 50. I'm like, you still didn't get a gigabit. And they're like, so, so sorry, we're going to fix it. And then we got 200 and like, ah, so sorry, we're still going to fix it. But anyway, I get the bill for $200. I'm like, $200 more. I'm like, this is insane. Like it's never mentioned. You said like no data caps, even on like the promotional stuff. I'm like, oh, but you know, we've changed it since then. Uh, we just, you know, we just have to update like a lot of our, you know, files and things like that and marketing. I'm like, well, I'm not going to pay for this if you didn't announce that this was a thing or notify anybody. I'm like, oh, we, we have like a, you know, a page on our website that says it. I'm like, did you send out an email for this saying to people that this was the case? He said, well, no, but we figured people would see it on the website. I'm like, where's that on the website? And it was in like, it was on a drop down menu. You had to click on a specific page. And then on that page, there was a specific link, like at the bottom of the page, linking to their new <laughs> policy information. Of course. I never, I didn't even bother reading through the whole thing. It was somewhere in there probably. But I'm like, this is insane. I'm not paying this. Well, that's like, what they bank on. That. They bank on you not knowing that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, Just I, like, I, I you know. I was like, you didn't even give me what I signed up for and agreed to in the first place. So I'm not paying this at all. I think oh, I, I know. Like they get months. away with that too. Cause like they'll tell you yeah. that it's a uh, theoretical speeds not the actual guarantee yeah exactly so like i pay for gigabit and i get like 300 megs usually and they're like well sorry that's just the best we can do and i was like we for for us being like a first world country and like a superpower of the world you would think that we would have better infrastructure around here you'd think you'd think well even on the thing was i signed up for gigabit and they agreed to it and i i credit myself here i was smart in this one particular instance where I took the person I spoke to on the phone, I took his name down, I took the time down, and I took like the uh, like ticket number down, like, oh, this is the, the number in case you have to refer back to this. I'm like, got it. I took all that information down uh, when I was on the phone with him. And then I referred back to that, and I was like, well, Steve told me this, or whatever. I'm like, you know, I just went on, and they're like, okay, whatever. I, like I said, I got out paying like the first four months of my bills. Cause like you literally told me that this was the case. And then when they sent me my bill in the mail, it said like 10 megabits or whatever. And then 50 megabits. I'm like, you're literally not offering me the product I asked for. And it's become a problem. And then they tried charging me every single time the guy came out to adjust it at the, the box outside. I'm like, I'm, why would I pay you to screw me over? Like, there's just no chances this is happening. And uh, yeah, I just fought with them on that. I hate, I hate dealing with stuff like that with, uh, like bigger companies or monopolies trying to, to you know, work you over. Same thing with like car dealerships. I have no patience for a car salesman. I realize they're just doing their job and I worked in sales. So like I have like somewhat of a, you know, appreciation for the position they're in working on like commission and stuff. But my God, it's like, don't, I hate when people lie to you in sales. That's the worst to me. Absolutely worst. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, honestly, like car salesmen, they sadly, uh, they're, it's annoying, right? Like you go into a, you go into a lot. I've gone into a lot just looking, not even planning on buying that day. I was like, I'm just seeing what you got on the lot. 
and they'll do everything in their power to try to get you to sign a paper. And I was like, no, I'm good. Not happening. I went into a lot, not that long ago, it was a Mazda dealer. Um, and they were like, I was like, oh, they had a, um, they had a Camaro that was obviously a trade-in and it's sitting on the lot. And I go, hey, I'd, li- I'd like to test drive this car. And they looked at me and they said, oh, we don't do test drives. <laughs> I say, excuse no, me? I don't buy your products. It's okay. Yeah. I was like, what do you mean you don't do test drives? Like, well, our customers uh, trust us and to, you know, have quality vehicles on our lot. So and I was like, you. that, I was like, no. <laughs> yeah. And I was like arguing back and forth with the sales guy saying like, I'm not even going to consider buying a car unless you let me test drive it. Like, I don't care what car on the lot it is. I want to drive it. And he goes to his boss and his boss, like the only way they would even let me sit in this car was if the, like the salesman drove it. Interesting. I wonder if they don't have proper insurance there or something. Yeah. It was very weird. I was like, what do you mean you don't do test drives? Like that's just standard in my opinion. Like if I'm looking at cars, I'm going to want to drive it. That's insane. Yeah, part of it too, like I've had bad experiences with them treating my girlfriend like she's an idiot. Like just yeah. the sexism of it. And I don't want to, again, I don't want to generalize everyone in this in this field, in this industry. But like it's happened at every car dealership we've gone to, which is what gives me, a, it leaves me a bad taste in my mouth. It's like everyone we go to, they cheer like, oh yeah, your car's, you know, that's not going to last. Your car's going to break down the side of the road. You know, if something go wrong, your brakes could fail. You're going to get in an accident. Who knows what will happen? It's like, it's like, fuck you, man. Like, why are you, like, you're just, you're treating her like an idiot and just straight up lying to her. Like, that is so pathetic. And I, yeah, I don't know. I would never buy from people that do that. Yeah. Um, my mom walked into a gun store around here the other day. She has a three, she has a, she has a, I guess that, I guess she has a 308. She said she thought it was a 22. Hmm. We walk in and I'm telling, you know, and she's like, I think I want to get a different gun because she's she's getting older. And like she said, the slide's hard to pull back. So she wanted to get an easy slide. And I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. Like I went with her and this sales guy is like talking down to her because she's an older woman. And, you know, oh, you know, you you can't handle a bigger gun than that. Blah, 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 blah. And I remember just looking at him like, oh, you've done it now, dude. And my mom just starts freaking the fuck out because my mom is ex-army and she has yeah, like marksman geez. medals and shit from when she was in the army. And she's like, <laughs> fuck you. And I was like, oh, God, like I thought I was going to have to break up a fight in the middle of a gun store. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to break up a fight in a gun store. It seems like the worst place to break up a fight. Because <laughs> <laughs> my mom's very bullheaded. She's very like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not going to take your bullshit. Mm-hmm. And this guy was just like trying to treat her like she needed, you know, you couldn't handle more than a 22. And I was like, oh God, like my, my mom was a marksman with an M16 and a 1911. Like I was like, she obviously knows how to shoot. Yeah. <laughs> and she still shoots now. Like it's not like she doesn't. And I was yeah, like, oh awesome. boy. It was just simply because she's a woman that they thought they could uh, talk down to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, it's frustrating. I don't know. Anyway, we're a little over two hours here. Don't want to drag on too long here. I I really appreciate you coming on, man. Thank you so much. Sure. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Where can people go to check out your stuff? So um, I'm working on getting a website up for the podcast, but they can find me on Twitter. So my personal handle is at Chris Mooney Dev, all one word. And the uh, podcast is at Son of a Bit Games. Awesome. And uh, those links will be in the description and people can click on through. Go let them know you've uh, listened to the show. Check it out. Uh, check out deadresproductions.live. 
and check out liquidiv.com and Zencaster. Links are in the description. Use our code DJP15. Get 20% off over on Liquid IV. Fantastic. Tastes great. You can get sugar-free if you want. Super easy. Super great. Love it. And Zencaster, obviously, we use every episode we uh, we put through on uh, on Zencaster here. Recommend, can't recommend either of them enough. Thank you to them for sponsoring the show. Thank you so much for coming on, man. I really did have a blast. Always- yeah, it's been great. We'll have to do it again sometime. Absolutely. I'm happy to have you back on anytime you want. Thank you so much, man. Sure. Catch you later. Thank you. Thank you, everyone listening. We'll see you all next time. Bye.